I'm Vinny. And I'm Drake. And welcome to Backstage Biddies, a podcast where two theater nerds discuss our love, and sometimes hate, of movie musicals. From Golden Age, to Disney, to Contemporary, we'll recap and review all things movie musical. Join us as we scrutinize Hollywood casting, dive into the history of all your faves, and gossip about controversies of the stage and screen. Press play and sing along, because this this is Backstage Biddies. Benny. Hey, Drake. What's your favorite color? Oh, I just got asked this yesterday, too. By who? Diana. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I it's it's a toss up between pink and green. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick a like, get really specific with me. A very like soft pink. Like a millennial pink, like a warm tone pink, or a cool tone pink. A warm tone pink. Okay. Um, and then for green, I really like like a really deep, there's this specific word and I'm not going to be able to remember it, um, but it's like a forest green, but deeper, like darker. Okay. Like more saturated, you mean? <clears throat> Possibly. Huh. Like a jewel tone, but like a forest green. You know what's fun, but not really fun, is that uh, I, you have explained to me what a jewel tone is. <laughs> on numerous occasions and I'm well aware of that in color I still I still today today I'm like <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that is and the only thing that my brain will will come up with is stones in jewelry that's it that's the only thing that my brain will do okay so in color theory a jewel tone is like the opposite saturation of a pastel does that make sense oh I think so, yeah. Okay. So, um, yes, a uh, jewel tone green. Like a jewel tone forest green? Yeah. Or like a jewel tone sage? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. What about you? Mine is also pink. Mm-hmm. Um, all pinks, depending on the time and the place and the, uh, the context, all pinks. Um, usually like a, like a strawberry milkshake pink. Oh, all right. Yeah. Like, uh, definitely, I definitely prefer on the pastel side, although hot pink has its place in my life. It does. You know, and I got to tell you, with, with pink, cool tone pinks kind of weird me out, and I don't know what that is. I think, and this is just like my personal, I don't know, boundaries, that's not the word I want, but like, <laughs> this is just like, in my sphere, personally... When I look at a cool tone pink, it looks like, um, I guess bubblegum pink is a, is a cool tone pink. That has a blue base. So I don't hate that, but it, it, cool tone pinks always look like bubblegum, Pepto-Bismol. They start leaning like fuchsia, right? Like those aren't, that's not what I want when I want pink. No, oftentimes it's not. It's and not I, it. I think a big part of it is because I really love millennial pink. Because I'm a millennial and that's subliminal and not, I have no control over that. I'm so sorry, everybody. But that's a warm tone pink. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, I, so I don't know. There's a lot of, maybe it's my upbringing. I don't know. Cool tone pink to me feels very, 
medical. Yeah, medicinal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it almost makes and my... I'm like thinking of scrubs and yeah, yeah, yeah. medication. And my and... brain sees it and goes, well, that's, that, that's unpleasant. Right? Because there's never a time when you... You don't ever pull out a bottle of Pepto-Bismol when you're having like a great day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just... It's... I... Yeah. Well, speaking of pink... It's very apropos that we... (laughs) Speaking of pink, what's our hint? The hint is St. Louis. Meet me in St. Louis. Not really. Meet Um, me in St. Louis, Louis. Meet me at the fair. You know that one? Yeah. Have you seen that movie? No. We should put that one on the list. Oh, God. We have so many on the list. We haven't Um, done like an old, old movie in a minute. Yeah. We'll slap it in there somewhere. Maybe we should... Yeah, maybe we should find a golden age thing to slip in in the next couple weeks. Well, anyway, St. Louis and Pink. Um, we're not in St. Louis. We're talking about Louis St. Louis. Which is the homie that wrote the music for the movie we're talking about today, which is, because it's sequel month, babies, a Grease 2. Featuring the Pink Ladies. Hey, which that, that, that series... Can yeah, yeah. Uh, on Paramount, The Rise of the Pink Ladies. Have you watched that? I haven't started it yet, but it is on my list because I've heard that there's original music for it and that it's really fucking good. Well, bless, because this wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I mean, you're right. So let's just get it out of the way right at the top. This movie is so bad. It, it's... I. This movie I, is awful. It, I... Short circuiting. I really. I remember. Wow. I remember a long time ago, the first time I watched this movie, I was like, "Oh my god, I love Grease." There's a second one. I'm gonna love Grease too, and I hated it. And now, and I, I like didn't. I think I've seen it one other time, maybe after, after the first time I watched it. And I don't really go back to it because it's not a great movie. And then we picked it out for this for sequel month, and I watched it, and I went in with the mindset of like, "Well, this is gonna be terrible. Let me count the ways." And because I set the bar so incredibly low, I was like, oh my god, wait, this is really dumb and fun. Like, if you don't go in expecting, like, the heart of Greece, because I think Greece has a lot of, like, I don't know, like, a highly romanticized kind of plot and, and stuff you can chew on. If you guys want to know our opinions on Greece, we did do Greece already. So go yeah, yeah, go and... go back and have a look at it. But but if you don't have the I don't know like the backbone, the structure that Greece has, this is a Greece parody. It really is. It's like if you took all the heart out of Greece and replaced it with camp. You remember those like <laughs> shitty early 2000s parodies that happened all the time like a movie would come out and then like a year later, two years later, like the scary movies. Scary movies, that one weird uh, Twilight parody thing happened. <laughs> Vampire Suck? Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. So what was like, the other one with the, the, uh, with the Romans? Meet the Spartans? Maybe. Is that I, what that one's titled? I have no idea. I love those parody movies. I think they're hysterical. But I genuinely, like, that's what this movie is. And you can't convince me otherwise. That's a really great way to phrase it because you're right. When yeah. you're right, you're right. Yeah. And I'm right. Um, so this movie was released June 11th, 1982, and it was directed by Patricia Birch, which fun fact, she was a choreographer for the first one. Oh, nice. And was like, oh, I don't know about directing it because it doesn't have like the main homies in it. Right. 
like John Travolta. Oh, sure. And, you know, sure. It, um, Olivia Newton John. It didn't have any of those people in it. And she's like, eh. Pass. So, um, but she directed it. It was written by Ken Finkelman, cinematography by Frank Stanley, and music by Louis St. Louis. The cast. We've got Michael Carrington, which is the character, played by Maxwell Caulfield. He is an English exchange student, and Sandy, from the original, her cousin, which threw me for a loop that he is an exchange student from England. Yeah. And she's from Australia. Not that that can't be a thing that happens, but I'm just like... It would have made more sense to me if he was also Australian. I just was like, uh, okay. Because then you have... they. What they do in the Greece too is they kind of like invert the plot from the first one. Yeah. Right? So there's a, there's a star-crossed couple, and the girl is the one who's from the high school this time, and the boy is the foreign exchange student. And that flip and that inversion of a lot of the themes and plots that we work through here as we do this weird little dance would have made more sense to me if he had been Australian. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, is he a British actor? Could he have faked an Australian accent? Like, you could have lied to me. I mean, he does flip in and out between an is, American accent. Yeah, exactly. Is Caulfield British. British or is he an American actor? I don't know. Well, put it on the list. Someone has to answer that question oh. at some point. So, uh, then we've got Michelle Pfeiffer playing Stephanie uh, Zanoni. Yeah. Um, She's is this the leader her, of the Pink Ladies. Is this her only other movie musical? She did Hairspray and she did this. I can't think sure. of. I can't think of any other musicals she was. Been, she's been in. I don't think so. Catwoman. That's not a musical. That's not a musical. Uh, I'm trying to think of other iconic Michelle Pfeiffer roles. Stardust. Loved her in that. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 in my head, she's like a musical theater icon, but like. She also, um, this was one of her beginning roles. She was a very well known uh, before she started yeah, in this. Yeah, she's a toddler here. She's 23. She's seven years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the list we've got for the T-Birds. Um, uh, Adrian Zemed played Johnny, the leader oh, of the T-Birds. Adrian, which, you heartthrob. <laughs> which he had played Danny previously. Like on, in, in the on stage live productions. show? Sure. Yeah. Um, you can see that. Oh, yes, for sure. Um, and then for the other T-Birds, we've got Christopher McDonald playing Goose McKenzie. So weird to see him here. Yeah, it is. Uh, Peter Frenchette as uh, Louis DiMucci. Frenchie? Did you say his last name is Frenchette? Uh, Frenchette. It's F-R-E-C-H-E-T-T-E. I'm gonna call him Frenchie. All right, cool. One more Frenchie for the road, baby. One more Frenchie. Um, <laughs> Leaf Green as Davy Jaroski. Stop. His name is Leaf Green. <laughs> and Are you L-E-I-F. serious? L-E-I-F. That's ridiculous. That has to be a stage name. Either that or your parents were really cruel. Or they thought it was really cool. Maybe Leaf is a family ma- name. You don't know. I hope not. Rude. Anyway. <laughs> um, so then we got the pink ladies. We've got uh, Maureen Teefy as Sharon Cooper. 
Loma Luft as Paulette. I love her. Jenny. <laughs> is that your Paulette impression? Yeah. yeah. Nice. It's great. Um, <laughs> She's my second favorite Paulette in all of musical theater. Yes. Allison Price as Rhonda Ritter. Um, and then Pamela Seagal as Dolores, which is Paulette's little sister. Mm-hmm. Which I think it's funny that they have... I was She was listed under Pink Ladies, but technically was she... But then no. kind of, she was at the end. Sort of. Anyway. So there was a chunk of people that reprised their role. From yes, Greece. yes, yes. We've got Didi Khan as Frenchie. It's Frenchie. Because she's here for some reason. She's my favorite, though. Oh, I absolutely love her. Love yeah. the character. She's like Miss Congeniality. They were like, they were like everybody loved you in their first one, and you were so inconsequential. Would you like to do another? All right. <laughs> Um, we've got Eve Arden back as Principal McGee. Uh, Sid Caesar as Coach Vince Calhoun, mm-hmm. which obnoxious. Yeah, just obnoxious. Um, Dottie Goodman as Blanche, the secretary. <laughs> um, Eddie Deason as Eugene, which yeah. I was like, oh my god, is that Eugene? And it fully is. It's because in the original movie, he was an underclassman, mm-hmm. like a freshman or a sophomore. He's also the same voice actor who voices um, the the Blackbird in Rockadoodle. Yeah. Whose name is also Eugene? What is his name in that movie? I think it might also be Eugene. Someone oh my go God. back and check. I... I mm. I don't know. We filmed that episode like literally a year ago, so I have no no idea. idea. But someone go back and and check because I remember Peepers and I remember, I remember not the Blackbird's name. The Magpie. Yeah. What is his name? I don't know. Oh, someone go check. Someone go check. Um, We've also got uh, Dennis C. Stewart as Leo Balmudo. Who? Crater Face. Crater Face. So... He, in this movie, is the leader of the Cycle Lords. Yeah. But in Greece, he was the leader of the Scorpions. Yeah. Like, very much, the all the altar gang name in this one is very much, like, the bad guy gang. Like, it's very, like, <laughs> the, like the name got so much cheesier. <laughs> well, and I'm like, hold on a minute. You were probably around the same age as Zuko. Correct. So you're still beefing with high schoolers? Yeah. When you put it through, when you put some of this stuff through the lens of like, really? I mean, I, I don't that? really, I still beef with high schoolers. Okay. They but, deserve it. But we work with them. <laughs> That's we fair. don't, we don't like show up on their track and field thing and be Roll- like, I'm going to beat the fuck out of you. Rolling up to homecoming and be like, this is my turf, you little shit. <laughs> yeah, like it's. That's what I mean. I just I no, don't know. No, that's fair. Anyway, that's anyway, fair. Anyway. Also, this time it's motorcycles and not not like not drag cars. racing cars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we've got uh, Dick Patterson as Mr. Spears, which is the the really unhinged teacher. Yeah, Dick Patterson is here, which is also like again just he like played super, Mr. Rudy in the super weird film. to see him here. Ah, uh, yeah. And I was like, why didn't he just stay Mr. Rudy? Right, because he plays like a he plays Mr. Spencer in this, right? Mr. Spears. Oh, is it Spencer Spears? 
Probably. I his last name is Spears. Okay, he's the, he's the substitute teacher. No. Right? Oh, okay. Then I'm, I'm thinking of somebody else. No, 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 no. He's the teacher that has the nervous breakdown that then requires a substitute. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Yes, 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 yes. I yes. was like, I don't remember him being in the first one, but no. I don't, I don't pay that much attention to the, to the he's, adults. So. Right, because he's Mr. Rudy, which is just like a teacher that's there. So gotcha, that's why I'm gotcha, as gotcha. To why they didn't just leave him, Mr. Rudy? And yeah. Then... Maybe he's under witness protection. <gasps> In the same high school that yes. he's been teaching at this whole time. The best Brilliant. hiding places in plain sight. <laughs> right under their noses. Um, but Mr. Stewart, which was the sub, uh, was played by Tab Hunter. He's the weird one. This is a, It's a weird to see him here. Yeah. Like, he's not an actor that I'd be like, oh yeah, I remember that one time he was in a movie musical? Yeah. And then we've got Connie Stevens playing Miss Yvette Mason. Oh my God, Miss Mason. (gasps) In all of her cinched, bosomy glory. Jesus. (laughs) So for the projection for this one, um, I've I've got a few notes. I've got a few notes. Um, So the scenes for Rydell were filmed at Excelsior High School. Excelsior! Excelsior! (laughs) Which had recently closed. So they got the whole school. Nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, that sucks not that nice they're... nice that the yeah. school closed, but... <laughs> that yeah. sucks for them. But, like, how cool that they had free reign of the building. Right. Um, filming took place over 58 days, and it was scheduled during the autumn of 1981. Yeah, you can hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty hardcore. Yeah. Um, but according to the director, the, <laughs> the script wasn't done when they started filming. Oh. Oh, dang. Uh-huh. Well, you can kind of see that, too. <laughs> you can. And there were so- supposed to be sequences, like, um, Frenchie actually helping Michael become the motorcycle rider that he becomes sure. instead of just showing up the one time. Um, well, was she a motorcycle guru? I, f- I don't <laughs> fucking know. Um, and then... She can't tint hair, but boy, can she ride. I mean, hey, different strokes, right? Maybe she, I don't know. I don't know either. What about a good Um, twist on Frenchie? And also, (laughs) at the end of this film, Michael and Stephanie were supposed to ride off into the sky on a motorcycle. Well, that would have, that would have been the thing to do. Yeah, because it's a callback to the original, which I, I, which I get, you know, I get, I get. Um, And for casting for this one, the other actresses that were up for the role of Stephanie were Lisa Hartman, um, Christy McNoll, Andrea McArdle, which she originated... The original Annie? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. And then Pat Benatar, which... That would have no been hate, sick. Yeah, no hate to Michelle Pfeiffer, but I would have shit if that was Pat Benatar. Yeah, what, an, what a crazy choice that would have been. I, yep. I would have been really into that. Yeah. Um, but so, can the, you imagine like the casting panel sitting down and being like, well, we can either go the Pat Benatar direction or we can go the Andrea McArdle direction. <laughs> we want to go like extra super shiny Broadway, like, like cream of the crop Broadway star. Or do you want to go, or do we want to go Pat Benatar, like Alleg- unrefined, like rough and tumble 
I mean... Both uh, both iconic decisions. I mean, yes, both incredible choices, but, like, what a choice. Right. Um, so, but this kind of, like, launched Michelle Pfeiffer a bit, which was weird because um, our homie that plays Michael had already started to have, like, a good career sure. before this film, and then it just tanked, tanked his. Oh, that sucks. Um... <gasps> Michelle Pfeiffer sucked all the talent out of him. <laughs> yeah. Um, in th- the actor has been quoted as saying, before Grease 2 came out, I was being hailed as the next Richard Gere or John Travolta. Oh, babe. However, when Grease 2 flopped, nobody would touch me. It felt like a bucket of cold water had been thrown in my face. It took me 10 years to get over oh, Grease 2. Oh, my God. Can That's you fucking so imagine that? And he was like, he was on Broadway. He yeah. was on like all, like doing all these other things before Oh man, this. that sucks. And then it just shot him right in the foot. Oh my God. Yeah. That's I devastating. Just, yeah. Um, Meanwhile, Michelle Pfeiffer's over here riding her motorcycle into the sunset. <laughs> yeah. Um, plus, did you know that Grease 2 was intended to be the second film in a proposed Grease franchise? Okay, well, we're getting back to it. There were supposed to be four films. Okay, work. And a television series. Okay, well. And all of it, the third and fourth films were supposed to take place in the 60s. Ooh. During the counter, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. counterculture era. Okay, work. Right? Um, they were both scrapped because Grease 2 tanked. <laughs> well, and here's the thing, though, Okay. Let's let's get into the reception of this. The budget for this film was eleven point two million, which the original budget for Greece, which was only done four years before this, um, was six million. They had eleven point two. Yeah. Well, you didn't use it very well. I'll tell you what. I don't think they did either. But at the box office, they still made fifteen point two. Okay, so, so that's a success. Right. It's not as big of a success as they wanted it to be and thought it was going to be. So they were like, oh, well, this is oh, all garbage and we shouldn't do this. That's stupid. Stop doing that, you guys. Yeah. Just because it didn't meet the benchmark you expected it to doesn't mean it was a failure. Right. This was clearly a success financially. Well, and to just kind of put it in perspective, it came out as like number five for opening weekend that weekend. Okay. It was um, up against E.T., Oh my God! Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, Jesus. Rocky Three, and The Poltergeist. Okay, well, how on earth did you anticipate beating out those movies with uh with a sequel? And of and of course, like they the didn't know it... they didn't know at the time that that was those movies were going to become what they became. But every every single one of those benchmark films. I mean. Hello. I mean, that's crazy. The fact that you managed to crack the top five, top ten even, with a sequel should be commended. Yeah. You should not be shitty about that. And you still made four mil. Yeah. 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 So the reviews for this one, uh, good old Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times gave the film two out of four stars saying this movie just recycles Grease without the stars, without the energy, without the freshmen freshness and without the grease well okay we'll talk about it when, when we get into it yep. i think this maintains a lot of the original mojo of grease and we'll talk about that later 
Um, the New York Times reviewed cited the um, Michelle Pfeiffer's performance as one improvement on the original film. A star turn. Miss Pfeiffer is as gorgeous as any cover girl, and she is as she has a selling quality that's more fitting to a Grease character than Miss Newton Johns. Whoa, Carlo, do you agree? No, oh. you don't. That was a no. That was yeah. a no, folks. Carlo is team Olivia Newton-John. I mean, you, but you're comparing apples and oranges. Yeah, they're both fruit, but they're playing two completely different <laughs> characters in this. What'd you just call me? You heard me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, they're playing two different characters. I, I mean, and I both think they do what they do very well. I don't think that's a fair assessment. Right. If I have to pick one, though, I'm going to pick Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. Don't be stupid. Yeah. Love you, Michelle, but but I'm going to... Don't be stupid. <laughs> yeah, I just... I, I don't know. It was... That that was kind of baffling to me. Um, You know what else is really fun? Is a drinking game that I found. Oh my God. When you sent this to me, <laughs> I panicked. Because... So I own Grease 2 on DVD. So I dropped it off after watching it at Benny's house so that she could watch it. And then, like, I leave, and maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes later, Benny sends me a screenshot of a Grease 2 drinking game. Mind you, I've just finished this movie, and I'm reading the rules, and I was like, oh my god, please do not play this game. Mm -hmm. You will die of alcohol poisoning tonight. Yeah, because so Alexis played this with me, um, because she was like, if I'm going to watch this movie, I think we need to drink. We're going to drink. And I was like, (laughs) what if we have a drinking game? Because every once in a while, it's like once... Once every few months or something, Alexis and I will get a little crazy and be like, what if we pick a shit movie and do a drinking game? What was the last drinking game we had on the pod? I think it was Cats. I think so. About a year ago. About a year ago. About a year ago. Here you go. So the rules for this drinking game, um, drink once every time someone uses a sexual innuendo. That's always... Someone, it's every, every five seconds. Yeah. Someone drops the innuendo and just says something straight up sexual. Yeah. Someone stares. So they have stares at Miss McGee's boobs. I think they meant Mason. Miss, Miss Mason. Yeah. And that's how we played it. <laughs> <laughs> someone says, who's that guy? There's a whole number. Uh, yeah. Of people saying, who's that guy? Johnny acts like a jerk. Literally every time he's on screen. Someone mentions Cool Rider. There's a whole song. Yeah. Finish your drink. Jesus. Whenever some... And this one's very specific. And it's... (laughs) Someone uh, is attempted to lose their virginity by being tricked into thinking they were under nuclear attack. That only happens just the one time. but Yeah, but you got to finish your drink. The whole thing. The whole thing. And then chug your drink for as long as Michelle Pfeiffer's character Stephanie is dancing. Yikes. So here's the thing. We, start, we started this, right? Uh-huh. We got into one little bit of Michelle Pfeiffer dancing and we decided we can't do that. It'll kill you. So we just took a drink anytime she danced. Because, That's fair. Um, That's fair. Drinking your drink the entire time she's dancing. There is one number where she dances the whole thing and she is singing the song Cool Rider. <laughs> nope. Yeah. So Sorry, it's, everybody. Um, You'd have to be like double fisting like 
two full handles of liquor. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a lot. Pounding back and forth. It's a lot, but it's a lot of fun. I'm sure it It is. is, It it is a lot. I'm sure it is. And that's the thing with like cheesy, shitty movie musicals is like, especially ones that gain some kind of subculture. It feels like you can, if you stop going in trying to like discover the next groundbreaking, earth shattering, like paradigm shifting musical and you just have fun, it can be really fun. Yeah. And this was really fun. It was dumb, but it was fun. It was dumb. And there was a couple things where I was like, ooh, 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 that didn't age well. Mm, But yeah, there's one in particular at the end that I can think of. We'll, We'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of historical context here for, yes. for this gig. So it's set in 1961. Um, so we're in the grips of the Cold War. Uh, Bay of Pigs happens this year. The birth of the Berlin Wall happens this year where Berlin is divided and they start construction on the wall. Kennedy's the president and he's mentioned several times. Yes. Yeah. Repeatedly. Um so this is actually set a year before um, Hairspray. Hairspray is set in '62. Oh, yeah. So this was this this was the year that JFK like very publicly encouraged everybody to build fallout shelters and bomb shelters for themselves. So we can see that kind of context tied together. Um, they have like the the bomb shelter in Hairspray where Penny hides uh, Tracy. Um, we have one in here that we'll talk about later. Um, so we're, yeah, we're in the grips of the cold war and it, it feels, and we were all, this is set in 61 and the first one is set in 58, you said 59, 58. It it starts in 58. And then by the time they graduate. Okay. It's the, it's the 58, 59 school year. Yep. Um, this one is set in 61, 62. Yep. So we're only just a few years after, but you can really feel the cultural shift between the two of them. Oh yeah. Because the cold war has begun and really ramped up and, and there's just like, I mean, there was such a shift from the 50s to the 60s with, like, the public mentality and, like, especially how we treated kids. So there's a there's a real public shift here. Um, I don't, unfortunately, have any, like, info about a live show or anything. This has never been adapted for the stage. Um, it's not animated, so I don't have a timeline to fit it into. I was going to do fun facts about Australia, but then I started this and found out that, um, that Michael is British and not Australian. And so then I didn't. So that's what I have for you. Also, um, if you are wondering, because we've mentioned Kennedy a couple times, um, he was killed in November of 63. Oh, so this is like kind of bitter. Mm-hmm. Wow. Let's dive into some plot biddies. Oh, I love it when you say that. <laughs> so, this movie's rated PG. Should it be, though? No. That's wrong. <laughs> That's wrong. Um, so, those of you out there with uh, children being like, yeah, we should watch this movie. Not a family musical. Mm, I don't think so. No, no, no. Um, Unless you're cool with having, which I think you should be anyway, um... Having conversations with your children about inappropriate things. Right. Like, you, if you watch this with your children, you will have to explain sex to them. Yeah. 
And not that sex is inappropriate, but specifically no. talking about... Um, but if you're not ready to have that conversation with your kids, then you shouldn't watch this musical. Yeah. <laughs> Those things are mutually exclusive. Yeah. Um, so, like we said before, um, 1961, Rydell High, we got right out the bat, um, Miss McGee and Blanche coming out, and they're so excited for the beginning of the school year, and they all there's already discussion of... The Russians and nuclear weapons, just like casually. We set the scene right very quickly into 61. Yep. Um, they like raise a flag with 61. Isn't that fun? There's an army of 30 year old teenagers. Now they have come <laughs> pouring in to the sounds of the song Back to School Again, which I think this song is very fun, but I don't know what's going on with the music, but so much of this music to me feels so long. It, a lot of it is really drawn out. There's a couple more numbers where like you think it's finished. It's specifically the first two that I'm thinking of that I'm like... Oh gosh, I have more. <laughs> I have more, but it's specifically those two because I'm like, is that the way all of these music yes. musical numbers are? It is. In Holy fact, F. it's how they're all structured, and uh, and yeah, we, we meet this army of teenagers who are very vibrantly dressed. I love the design of this film. It's that's that portion is fun. There's yeah. this girl in this pink skirt in the front just. row, just fucking getting it, just getting her life. This, this choreography, she's just like, bah, 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 bah. and it's good choreo too. It's what I have to say about this opening number is that I I think it is very much like musical theater conventions distilled like like boiled down and concentrated. It's very high camp musical theater in we talked about this in the the Teen Beach episode where like the characters that are in the musical in the world of the movie are like human adjacent they're overinflated, they're overextended, they're not necessarily human characters, they're just shaped like humans. Right. But there's there's so much more than that. They're exaggerated and they become like sort of a human caricature almost. And that is what we get here in this opening number and I I, I love it. I think it's exactly musical theater and I think if you're a musical theater fan who loved Grease who came here for the goofy, silly, like unprompted musicality of musical theater, then you're going to love this opening number. Yeah. It's just, it's just long. It is really long. <laughs> it's like, like, you're like, okay, all right, okay. Because in this number, though, you meet the T-Birds, you meet the Pink Ladies. Yeah. And... You meet uh, the twins, you meet, you meet the Michael, teachers, you meet... I mean, every I mean, Frenchie and Mike, and, and It's not just like you see them in passing and they're part of the choreography. Like the song underscores dialogue. Yeah. And then they like the song then comes back in. Yeah. And with more drop, singing and, and dancing. Back in I mean, it's a lot. Up. I mean, it's constant. Um, fun fact, this song was sung by the four tops. Yeah. Yeah. Four tops of like quartet fame. Yes. We talked about them in the, uh, the little shop of horrors episode. Yes. Um, they, they say, and plus like, they also had the chorus behind them too. Yes, because of course, the I was like here. very confused as to when I saw that they sang that. I was like, okay, but there was a lot more than just the four tops there. <laughs> it had to have been featuring um, the four tops, really. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, Miss Mason shows up, so she's like walking through the street. She's like, "Excuse me, breast first. and. <laughs> 
uh, she turns to the T-Birds and she's like, I really hope that I see you guys in my music appreciation class. And they're like, well, we hope to see, or she says, I hope to see all of you in my music. Yeah. And they're like, we'd love to see See all all of of you you too. And then she's like, maybe you will. I'm sorry. Did you just sexual, sexually innuendo a student? Yeah. Pew. Uh Uh-huh. Gross. (laughs) Ew. Um, And then we get a snippet from the pink ladies of them being like, we're the pink ladies and we do this and da da da. And I was like, is this the naming of the cats again? (laughs) One of them has a cigarette holder with a cigarette in it. I was like, such class. Class. (laughs) Like, these are the pink ladies, but they're the pink ladies, like, refined. Right? Like, the pink ladies plus. Now they're like... It almost feels like the power dynamic is, like, kind of reversed here, where, like, in the first Grease, it definitely feels like the T-Birds are, like, the boys. They're in charge. They're, they call the shots. They make the rules. And the Pink Ladies are, like, they form kind of, like, out of necessity to, like, balance that power. Yeah. And here it feels like the Pink Ladies are, like, the ones who are in charge, and the T-Birds are their companions. But the weird thing is, is that there's a lot, and this is throughout the film, there's a lot of conversation of the T-Birds owning the Pink Ladies. Yeah, it becomes kind of a a pivotal plot point, but when we meet them, we can feel that the power dynamic is different than the the T-Birds and the Pink Ladies that we know. Right, because um, much like anything, they didn't necessarily come up with, like, the Zuko, like Danny Zuko and like all of them mm-hmm. to know that dynamic. They were like, yeah. ah, we were gifted jackets and this yeah, is yeah, what yeah. we think the T-Birds were. It's like the end of Mean Girls when everyone makes up and then like the freshmen walk in and they're like, oh, the new, new plastics. The, yeah, here's the new plastics. Like it has that vibe where you're like, yeah. someone inherited a title and like the jackets are the same, but like. They're not, though. They're new jackets, just yes. to be clear. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, the legacy is there, but, like, the dynamic is different. Right. Um, Frenchie's back. Yay, it's Frenchie! Um, she is... She catches Michael, and she's like, Hey, so, Sandy, um, your cousin, I'm friends with her. <laughs> Frenchie and... comes in as very much, like, exposition, exposition, exposition. Yeah. She's like, your cousin, Sandy, my friend, said to watch out for, uh, and look after you. Her cousin... Uh, from England. Um, so you're my cousin and I will help. It, I mean, she might as well, like, at the end of introducing Michael, she might as well, like, look into the camera and wink. Like, it's very, like... Oh, fully. Here's who you are and how you fit. And she's like, Ta-da. and also the reason that I am here. <laughs> because I was supposed to graduate with my friends. Correct. Several years ago. Like, three full years ago. Yeah. Which, like, in life isn't that much... In terms of high school years? Yeah, it's a lot. It's damn near the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She's like, yeah, I like flunked out of beauty school because like I couldn't do the tinting and I dyed someone's hair pink and I'm like... (laughs) It was your hair, babe. It was your hair. Yeah. It's committed to film. (laughs) I was like, this is a lot. And she's like, so I've decided skin is in and I'm going to come back here to learn chemistry so I can make my own cosmetology or my own skincare line. You're going to go back to a high school chemistry class? I mean, technically you need it. It was like the only class my grandma had to take after she like left high school and decided to do hair was chemistry. But a high school chemistry class and not a college one? Yeah, no. 
I mean, now you'd have, now there's like cosmetology, just, like you have to get a license and right, everything. Right, right. At the time, how long have we had to license estheticians and, and, uh, and cosmetologists? I don't know. I feel like that's a really extra good question possibly for Diana because she herself is a cosmetologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone write that down. Write that down. Um, Can I just say how funny the dialogue is in this? It's, Yeah. Again, I, I went in being like, this is going to suck. And then, like, as we went through the opening number, I was like, the dialogue's kind of funny, though. Yeah. Like, there's a there's a conversation when we meet the T-Birds where someone asks, one of them asks, what are you going to be when you grow up? And uh, and Johnny says, a burden. A burden on society. Yeah, that's camp. Yeah, yeah. It's campy, fun humor. And, like, again, oh, it, it becomes like a... Oh, because someone first asked him, like, what are you going to do after graduation? He's like, sleep. Samesies. Well, a lot of my freshman year was my freshman year was essentially like pizza and Ben and Jerry's ice cream and sleeping. Freshman year of college. Yeah. Yeah. Between rehearsals. Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. Like my body. Well, we don't have to get into all that. Yeah. But that's what I that's what I did my freshman year. So like I of of, of college, I totally get it. Um, but I just think like a lot of the humor of this comes from the they take the character tropes that we invented in the first one. And really exaggerate them into caricatures of tropes, which is a lot to say. But, like, they're so inherently unserious. Oh, fully. And it's really funny. Yeah. So we've got Steph and Johnny, right? The head of the Pink Ladies, head of the T-Birds. They clearly were a thing and are no longer a thing, right? I'm Team Johnny. I'm not. Excellent. Excellent, (laughs) excellent, excellent. I'm Team Johnny. It's, it's, and I think it's specifically because he's like, you're a pink lady. So you belong to me? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but he's got slice those, him dead. he's got those arms. I don't give two shits about his arms. I give several shits, upwards of two. I want to shave his head. <laughs> He'd still be so hot. And kick him <laughs> into a ditch. <laughs> I would also lie down in a ditch with Johnny. <laughs> All right. Team Johnny cool. all the way. <laughs> um, I feel like we're teams for very, very different specific reasons. My specific reason is uh, in, is just sex. Is just sex. And I mine is just... sexism. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, you got me there. <laughs> you got me there. Um. So Stephanie and Johnny are done and... Because Johnny comes up and is like, Steph, so like, what's what's going on? What's up? And she's like, I literally told you I'm done. And he's like, but like, we're not really done. Because I didn't say we're done. Bitch. Obnoxious. That is not at all how this works. And then Paulette standing there with all of her breasts and is like, <sighs> Johnny, why don't you just love a girl that like loves you? Okay, like, so me i know that all of the was that anna ferris are you doing an anna ferris impression i'm doing some sort of impression <laughs> of like uh, i'm doing, <laughs> I'm so, doing a, an impression of when katya does that voice i know that all of the teenagers here are 30 year old adults paulette paulette is like <laughs> is like so uh, inherently not a teenager uh, Oh, God. She's like that one T-Bird from the first Grease movie where you're like, all of you could, like, pass for teenagers when you're dressed as teenagers together in a group. Except for you, who is somebody's, like, 45-year-old uncle. 
Yeah. It's that, but for one of the pink ladies, and it's Paulette. She is a grown woman. When we say they flipped roles for this movie. <laughs> they literally boiled the formula down and they were like, great, boil it down, invert it, go. And they did. And that's how we got Grease 2. Um, so Michael is also getting in there, trying to get his to his locker, and then the T-Birds stop him. Um, and the only reason why I bring this up is because they barbershop hum at him to like intimidate <laughs> him. It's so incredibly musical theater. It's so stupid. And I'm just like... No, I like it. And it's and it's because I'm like, you do... You can't compare the two T-Birds, right? From each movie. Mm-hmm. You can't. Because if you do, you sit there the entire time. And I'm like, the original T-Birds would not, would not even come close. No, because again, these guys are like... These guys are like goofy dime store versions of the original T-Birds. Exactly. The dynamic is so inherently different here. Oh, fully. So, um... They're not badass. No. They're not badass. They're no. not goons. They're not... They're chicken shit in leather. Yeah, they're like, not I threatening just... in any way. Like, no. the original T-Birds would like, would, like, beat you up. Yeah. These guys don't. Now, the pink ladies, on the other hand, I think if you fucked with one of them the wrong way, they would absolutely punch you in, in the balls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, I had a question for you. Yeah. So, um, I think it was Paulette said something to Stephanie about the fact that she was wearing pants and then she had to change into a skirt real quick. Were, were they not allowed to wear pants during school? Um, I'm not exactly sure what this particular circumstance is. Uh, because then I noticed that every everybody's single in a skirt. girl is in a skirt. Right. So I, I, I don't know from context if it's like a dress code thing which is very possible or if it was just like a like a not cool thing to do in the 60s because when you i don't know i mean women wore pants in the 60s -hmm. but i don't know if it was just like a trendy thing and they were trying to convey to the audience that like the pink ladies are like boss bitches but also like they enforce the rules you know what I mean? Like they're not Maybe. they're not I, immune to like the rules around them. Right. I don't know. I wasn't entirely clear, but I mean, yeah, dress codes were a lot more stringent in the 60s than they are now. Right. For so sure. It's so it's very possible that it was But like, then again, hey, they don't have that rule in the first one. Like there are definitely girls in pants in school in in 58. So right. I don't know why it would be a rule in 61. No idea. Write that down. I <laughs> took it as uh wanting to let the audience know that the characters still want to fit in, that there are rules that they are adhering to. That's how I took it. It's what makes the most sense story-wise to me. Right on. Um, So we get a chance to see Mr. Spears as the start of the school day. Um, And of course we're getting the morning announcements. And they do the xylophone bit. Yes, they do. I love the running joke of the really extensive, like ridiculously complicated xylophone intro to the morning announcements. Yes. It's one of my favorite running gags and probably all of musical theater. It's good. I think it's so outrageously funny. And they are like, so they're making announcements and whatnot about the fact that like, oh, Mr. Spears is back um, from... The hospital. <laughs> the loony bin. Healed from mental exhaustion. And the whole time, the teacher's sitting there, like, trying to, like, take pills. And his hand is shaking. Shaking. And can't, like, get the water in his mouth. And it's... It was very funny to me. <laughs> because I'm like, ah. 
educators of yesterday are still educators of today. Ah, uh, correct. If anything, um, it's gotten worse. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and she also announces that, like, Michael, there's a new student, Michael, that he's a straight-A student. She slips that in there. Miss mm-hmm. um, McGee does. And to be like, make sure you say hi, you know, da-da-da, whatever. We're back at, we're back out at the track from the first movie. Isn't that fun? So fun. So fun. Who you're trying to convince, <laughs> me or you? Yes. Um, <laughs> so the T-Birds are, this is gym class? Question mark? Or are sure. they on the football team? I don't uh, know. Because they're the no, ones that are like gym class. pushing like coach whatever the fuck on maybe it's like uh they have football rehearsal during gym <laughs> class you know yeah football rehearsal um anyway and well, michael you have is to running rehearse, on the track. otherwise how do you know who wins at the end i mean i don't know is it like an edward drood situation where like the audience picks the winner at the end of the game Ooh la la. Mm. that's kind of tough so like whoever shows up more is that why people are more apt to win home games yeah I think we just crack sports ball. <laughs> <laughs> All these years you've wondered. Wonder no more. Wonder no more. The, the musical, <laughs> the musical theater kids figured out the sports ball, specifically football. You're welcome. Um, you're welcome. Um, you're welcome, America. Uh, so <laughs> the twin, these twin girls come up to Michael and are like. I'm hey, obsessed with the twins. I They're ridiculous. And they're like, hey, you play piano, right? Which I'm like, how the fuck do you know? And he's like, uh, yeah. Well, he's a straight A student. Of course he plays piano. <laughs> <laughs> Those things go hand in hand. Of course, yeah. don't you know? It's why we both fail subjects so often because neither of us can fucking play piano. <laughs> You're right. I can plunk. Yeah, samesies. <laughs> I took piano lessons. That makes us what? Like, I don't know, like C plus, B minus average students? That's about right if you look at my transcript, so. Listen, listen. I can play uh, Fleur de Lis. I could play Colors of the Wind on my recorder. I genuinely wonder if you still could. Because, <laughs> no, I can't. Like, I could not even Because you could do begin. that like in fifth grade and you won't stop bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are my crowning oh, achievements? Oh my god. Anyway. <sighs> So Michael plays piano. He's like, yeah, sure. Because they're talking to him about the fact that, hey, there's a talent show. Could you be the piano player? And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll do that. Um, And we find out kind of in this passing here, because the pink ladies come walking through strutting. And Michael's like, oh, my God, who's that one? Talking about Stephanie. The hot one. The hot one. And Frenchie shows up out of the blue because, of course, she's the one to give exposition to this whole thing. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes, especially knowing that the same actress played Frenchie like in the first one and the second one, she has a cameo in the live musical. Like, I just wonder if she's like maybe God in this universe. (laughs) Maybe it's actually her universe. Yeah, it was all a dream. Frenchie's dream. It's kind of sad that she's like a side character in her own dream. I don't know. Sometimes it's nice to be able to play with your toys. Ew. Well, if you're a god. Well, if you're a god, I was meaning like if she was just like a human asleep. 
I don't know. I prefer to think of her as a god. All right, cool. So anyway, so she shows up and is like, hey, Michael, um, you do not uh, be into Stephanie because you cannot. <laughs> you do not because be into Stephanie. Because she be pink lady and you know T-Bird. <laughs> those are the rules. I'm fucking tired. Anyway. Those are the rules. Those are the rules. Um, and we also, so the cycle lords show up <laughs> on the track. Fever dream. Anyway, oh, the they show words. up and the T-Birds are like, yo, what you doing here? And they're like, gonna pummel your face. And they're like, ah, well, what if you didn't? Because <laughs> there's like 12 of these cycle lords or whatever the fuck. And there's four T-Birds. Yeah. That's it. Well done, gang. Oof. Um, so they're like, well, what are you doing tonight? And they're like, we're going bowling. I'm like, oh, is that meaning like they're going to meet up at the bowling alley and like right? Like, is it code? No, it's not. They are going bowling. Spoiler alert. Um, when the motorcycles come up on the track, because they like ride around the track on these motorcycles while school or whatever is happening. There are educators and full blown adults uh, around on the field allowing it to happen. (laughs) And like I said, I watch this with Alexis. She's like, am I blacking out? I mean, that's what this whole movie feels like. <laughs> the whole thing. It's just terrible. The whole thing. So they're going to bowl. Um, we show up at the bowling alley and there's, there's nuns. <laughs> In all caps. Nuns. I wrote it down too. I wrote it down too. I was like. Musical theater people love a nun. I <laughs> just. Just and they're the there best. the whole time. Yeah. They're a part of the number. Yeah, yeah. Well, because there's... Okay, so what's happening is there's like clearly like league bowling happening, right? Where there are bowling teams present. Right. So not only are there... It's not just like two nuns, I don't know, like having a drink at the bar or whatever. Like there's a... Can nuns drink? Uh, no. Hmm. But there's a bowling team of nuns. So yeah. there's like four of them bowling actively. And their habits and all. Yeah. Yeah. God, it's so funny. It's ridiculous. Um, so we kind of divulge into the number um, score tonight, which is a double entendre. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Guys, it's, for it's those a... of you out there that don't know this, um, Drake and I are in the middle of a show week. <laughs> it's tech week. It's We're recording week. in the middle of tech week. Um, oh, man. That's all I'll say about the energy that's in the studio today. So so the a double entendre is that they're going to win the bowling tournament, but also that they're going to get it in. They're going to fuck. Right. Um, and Real quick, uh, 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 Johnny looks so hot here at the bowling alley. He's got his tits out. Oh, he looks so hot. I think it's very funny because oh. I specifically made the note. Oh, where is it? Are you going to badmouth my husband? Don't be mean to him. Oh, in all caps, before the number starts. <laughs> why is shirt so open? Uh, because uh, someone knew that I would watch this movie. I don't think I like men. <laughs> More for me. That's fine. That's fine. Discoveries here on the pod. <laughs> Johnny um, is so like, hot. He's so hot and his tits are out. And I'm like, I hate him. He's obnoxious. Why are his tits out? Oh, um, he's so hot. Ridiculous. So <laughs> they are singing about scoring in bowling and mm-hmm. also les eggs. Yes, yes. Um, and 
before they showed up at the bowling alley when they were back on the track, Johnny had pointed to Paulette and said, Paulette, look nice tonight. That's my lady. You dig? My, my, what is it? My sweet cheese. My good time boy. <laughs> yeah. But, but a woman. <laughs> my, f- good, my good time gal. Of a 45-year-old woman. <laughs> That's my good time mom. That's a woman. Mommy. <laughs> oh. I said it. Um, anyway. I mean, listen, if anybody is ever qualified as mommy, it's, it's Paulette. Paulette. It's Paulette. Um, so, so Paulette literally like in this number, uh, looks at Johnny and is essentially like, if you get a strike, we'll fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nailing it. I'm like, okay, Paulette. Um, Johnny also is like, I'm gonna give Paulette something for her disease. And the guys are like, what disease? And he's like... Her nymphomania. Guy <laughs> in all caps. I was like, I fucking hated him. <laughs> oh my god! And then like the girls are like coming through the guys at this one part. Part that's the part of the choreo, which is insane here, by the way. <laughs> the choreo is fucking ridiculous. It's bananas. Everybody is in the lanes. They're spinning as far the as the eye The spinning sequence. See. Okay, so oh. can I talk about it real quick? Yeah. This and is I'll what get I back to the no homo. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. This is what I mean when I say that we've gone like above and beyond that we are overinflated that we're like way past human possibility. There's a sequence of like couples dancing on the bowling lanes and there's like tight shots of that of couples spinning together like doing a lift and spinning or something and each clip gets like progressively faster to the point where you can tell that they're like on some kind of table and this like the the shot is sped up like we're moving past the laws of physics it's like that it's like in mary poppins when yes it's poppins, exactly like, that does the spinny thing yeah, on the yeah. roof it's exactly that and it's like it's like physically possible for humans to do but like not at that speed and not at that you know what i mean like it's we're just moving past reality right in a way that is heightened and expanded they spun us into the ether i don't but know the, so the choreography is really fun and dancing and cool and like we're doing like lots of stunts and fun like couple partner stuff and like it's good choreo and then it keeps like ramping up and getting less and less practical and less and less realistic until we're at the end of this number with like nuns dancing on bowling lanes and like it just looks in- like insane. Right. And I think another thing too with this is that when you're looking at the original film, the numbers were essentially solos, duets, small groups. Right. There's a couple this, of group numbers, but like. But that's like, that's like. At the dance, right? It's like the school dance and the finale, and the finale. Yeah. Almost every single number in this movie is a large group number. Yeah. With people (laughs) that are outside of the T Bird Pink Lady realm. Yeah. Again, it's very musical theater. Like it's very like flood the stage with dancers and like colorful costumes and. And like the the shots on everybody are so tight that I'm like, you could. There's so many fucking people that you should. Yeah, we needed to pan out this back out. We should have panned out several times, but but I I still think there's a fair deal in this movie of like good proper wide shots. Yeah, the opening number has some really good ones. The one in the in the science classroom has some really good ones that we'll get to. 
And I think it's specifically just because every single number seems to be a, a I large agree. group number I agree. that I'm like... There has to be some compromise there, though, I think, yeah. as far as, like, camera work goes, where, like, everything can't be a wide shot, right? Like, you have to have close-ups yeah. at some point. So I think there's maybe, I don't know, there's room for concession in the middle of that somewhere, but personally, I could have done with a couple more wide shots. Yeah. That, yeah. And maybe that's just a personal preference. I well, I think that there's just so much going on choreographically. <laughs> that's fair. Um, That you can only see certain little bits of it happening, and you're like, well, I don't that's know what fair. this picture looks like. Sure, sure, so, sure. Anyway. Anyway, you were talking something <clears throat> about a no homo moment. There's a moment when the girls are, like, walking through the T-Birds and Johnny is, like, leaning in like he's going to kiss all of them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of the T-Birds comes through and they get so <laughs> fucking close. They do. And then they were like... Oh, oh, oh wait, no, stop. And I don't remember which one it was, but it was just a moment where I was like, oh, little gay. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's very, yeah. it's very musical theater. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um... So, number ends. Michael shows up uh, to be like, and he's got an etiquette book or something. Yeah, it's like a it's like a British to English etiquette book that yeah. is like teaching him teen slang phrases on how to make friends, essentially. Yeah, and he's like, okay, all right. So, I go up to them, and then I say, want to bowl some balls? <laughs> want to yeah. wanna game? Wanna, you know, whatever. And he's like, all right, all right. No, I got this. I got this. I got this. Just in the most dweeby fucking way possible. Absolutely. Uh, and then we flip back into the bowling alley. And um, so I almost said Danny. Johnny um, <laughs> won the polling game. How exciting. Him and Paulette are going to go bang it out. Yeah. And he was like, all right. And like makes out with Paulette, which by the way, um, Dolores is there. And is watching, and not just, like, from a distance. Like, she's, like, up in there. And Dolores is, like, the little sister character. We find out that in, like, a bit here that Dolores is Paulette's little sister. Would you ever go watch very closely and intently one of your siblings making out with someone? Uh, Well, at the time, all of my siblings, like, when we were close in age, were straight, which is disgusting. An abomination, not in the Bible. So no, I would not have been interested in that. Um, and my only other gay sibling is a child now, so also not interested in that. It's just weird. That's what I have to say about it's watching your weird. siblings make out. I just and and like because like I would get it from like a from like a weird fascination thing if it was someone else, but that's no, your I, sister. You I cringed. Were watching... at, I cringed when my siblings kissed at their weddings. Disgusting. Yeah. A perverse display. Yeah. I don't know. It just was fucking weird, Dolores. Anyway. I don't, I don't mind the lifestyle, but do you have to put it in everyone's faces? My God. Disgusting. Heteros. Anyway. Um, so, <laughs> they get done macking, and he's like, yeah, but now it's time for the real prize, and goes to reach for Stephanie, and I'm like, that's extra shit to Paulette, Johnny, you right. absolute douchebag. Because the thing about... Johnny and Paulette is that it's all a ruse and a scheme to make Stephanie jealous. From Johnny's end, Paulette is really interested right. in Johnny. Paulette like really goes for the gold and and she's just like a pawn to Johnny, which sucks. Yeah. I am still team Johnny. I mm, <laughs> nope. Um so he's like, well, you know, I 
we own you and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you don't fuck. Steph is like, you don't fucking own me. Fuck you. I'll kiss the next guy that walks in here. They're like, yeah, you do that. Cause there's some old guy that's like by the, by the door or whatever. But psych, but Michael psych, walks in. Michael walks in and she goes right up to him and plants a big, a big schmecka on him. And the way Johnny's face absolutely falls and just crumples in on itself. Oh. It tickles me. Poor Johnny. Nah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this was I when- literally, I literally put Steph kissed Michael. Fuck you, Johnny, and your owning people rules. This was where I wrote down, I'm Team Johnny. Because <laughs> I was like, look how sad he is. Oh, sad hot guy. Oh. No. Poor Johnny. No, what a garbage <laughs> can. Um, <laughs> so they're, uh, they all leave, go get food, whatever. Dolores is uh, back and is chatting with Michael, and he's walking her home. And... She's kind of telling him about the rules of the pink ladies because Dolores wants to be a pink lady. So badly. So badly. And she's like, I will literally be a pink lady mascot. I will do whatever. But Paulette doesn't let me and I'm mad about it. And we learn that like pink ladies can only date T-birds. It's a rule. It's a rule. And then she's like, it's a, Dolores is like, it's a stupid rule. And there's a lot of rules that they have that's like a part of the code. Mm-hmm. Right? So she's kind of giving Michael the down low on how, how to essentially become a T-bird without her really knowing that's what she's doing. Next day. There's a sub for Mr. Spears, which I think is fucking hilarious. Before we leave that scene, I just want to point out that uh, Dolores has like a pink cardigan on. She has a a line in that scene with Michael about how like when she's a pink lady, she'll design like the coolest pink lady jacket because each new like pink ladies crew gets to wear like a sphere, like a unique jacket. They get to design their own. And I, I just think that the inclusion of a cardigan is like such such stellar costume design and it's it's just a little detail but like it's in it's like uh, it's just really thoughtful robert demora is the costume designer for this and he also did uh he did like risky business beaches um love beaches what else did he do that we would know uh oh he did the birdcage oh oh my god yeah with robin wilson uh, uh robin williams and nathan lane yeah um, he designed costumes for the Birdcage too. So uh, he's and I looking at similarities between those projects. You can tell that he's a very thoughtful designer and that he doesn't give you pieces unless they help you tell us something. Yeah, help tell the story in some way. And I think this car. I mean, I see lots of examples of it, especially as we play with like the iconic look of like T-bird jackets and pink lady uh, bomber jackets. But I think this moment is like a really great example of the cardigan standing in for the jacket because Dolores isn't a pink lady yet. And I just wanted to make a quick tag of it. You know, costumes are, are important to me. But this this little detail was very like chef's kiss to me. Excellent. Anywho, yes. Now we're now we're back at school. There's a sub for Mr. Spears, which is just it's a very off the cuff thing that they say. It's not focused too much on, but I thought it was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Because he, like, came back for one day of school. Just the one. Just the one. Can one. relate. That's it. Um, so there is going to be a talent show, and the winner gets records. Yeah, 100 long play records. Long play records. 
Um, and they're super jazzed about that. They being the students and people are getting signed up for that. The T-Birds are also like, what if we sign up? Yeah. Very interesting to me. <laughs> um, one of them at one point says Beethoven. Beethoven. What's Beethoven? Beethoven. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact, that's how I remember how to spell his name. Is Beethoven? Mm-hmm. You put the beef in the oven. Oh. Yeah. Das gut. <laughs> um, so they're in the hallway uh, because there's a sub and all the kids are like, fuck this, I'm leaving, which... Never on my watch. As I was say, you're a substitute teacher now. How did that scene make you feel? I was like... Triggered? <laughs> no, because I, <laughs> I know for a fact that there are probably uh, kids that feel that way. But I'm a cool sub. You're not like a regular mom. I'm you're a, a cool, cool mom. mom. <laughs> I literally said that uh, phrase to students when they're like, what's, you know, what's your deal? Like high Did schoolers. they get it? Uh, well, I specifically, I said, I'm I'm not a regular sub. I'm a cool sub. And then I was like, name that movie. Except it's not sub, it's mom. Did anybody get it? Yeah. Okay, great. A student got it. And oh I was I was very shocked, I, to be honest with you. Um, I love the twins here. I think they're so funny. Why are you looking at me like that? Oh, because I'm not there yet. So, because I was going to talk about when he's... Um, Oh my God, when he the eats cigarette. the cigarette? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> so um, Johnny and one of the T-Birds are in the hallway and Miss McGee shows up and is like, hey. And he's like, fuck, because he's got a cigarette. He just lit a cigarette. And he like flips it inside of his mouth. Uh-huh. Disgusting. And she's like berating them about, there's there's talk of motorcyclists on the track. That wasn't you, right? You'd never do that to me, right? <laughs> And he's like, mm-hmm. couldn't be me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and his uh, buddy like hits him on the back. And he swallows the cigarette. And like Miss McGee like walks away. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to, I just wanted to. No, I wrote it down was, too because I was, I was like, upset. Jesus. I was like, did he just flip that cigarette in his mouth? Did he just swallow it? Yep, eats a cig. Poor Johnny. We just learned here today, Johnny, he swallows. Hey, <laughs> Team Johnny, bitches. Um, so we're at the talent show auditions, and the twins are singing this song, Brad. I love the twins. I do hate penny loafers. Yeah, that's what What's I have the deal to say. With the buckle in the back on the pants, I don't know. In the in, in, in somewhere in this scene too, we see Johnny's belt buckle is like on his hip and not centered on his pants either. And I don't know what that's about. If that's like a weird trend that I'm unaware of that happened in the '60s. They're like there was a buckle in the back of his pants. I hate in it. In the song Brad, that is like yeah, yeah, supposed yeah. to be like he wears these. Brad's so trendy and, and he's, he's so got a buckle cute in the back of his pants. I don't know what that is. <sighs> Maybe um, I haven't done enough research about the '60s. Well, I don't get know. on it. Apparently, I get should. on it, Mister Costume. Yeah, I guess. Um, and we also see that the Pink Ladies are going to be auditioning with seasons. Uh, the the girls, uh, a girl uh, of for all seasons. Yeah, girl for all seasons. That's what it is. Um, and Michael is the piano player for everybody, and the whole time he's sitting there and he's playing, and he looks at Stephanie's like, "Hey, want to go out like tonight? When are you free? When are you free? Like tomorrow?" She says, "I'm free every day. It's in the Constitution." <laughs> 
<laughs> um, which she's wearing a really great red lip uh, in this moment. You know I, I love wanna, a red lip. I just want to say. Uh, oh, it was I just a, it. was it. a good red lip. <laughs> um, and he's like, hey, what about, are you free tonight? What about tomorrow? And she's like, no, no. And then like, they're done rehearsing, whatever. Leaving. And he's like, but what about the day after tomorrow? Well, he finally asks her one more time when she's not surrounded by By the people. pink lady, yeah. Because again, very similar to Danny Zuko, when asked in front of her friends, she puts on this very like... Huh, what's it to you? Huh, yeah. Bleh, bleh. Yeah. <laughs> Why, you want to make out about it? <laughs> like, it's very like flippant and like... Yeah. And then when she's alone, when he can finally ask her when she's not surrounded by people, she's like much more sincere and genuine about it. And she's like... No. <laughs> uh, because I want to date a cool woo 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 writer. <laughs> and we get this song Cool Rider, which is just Cool Rider gives such heavy eighties pop vibes. Oh my god, dripping in it. And it's just one They're of those like, things. The year is nineteen sixty one. Except it's not. Except a lot of the music is gonna be influenced <laughs> by the eighties because that's where we are. Like this could be a this could be a Pat Benatar single for sure. Oh god yeah. There's a couple things I was like, no wonder you guys were looking at Pat Absolutely. Pat for this role. Like you could tell that they looked at Pat, Pat they looked at Benatar and were like, no, she's gonna do it. And then they started writing music. Yeah. And then she didn't do it. Right. <laughs> um, so essentially the song is just her going up left and sideways all over the stage. Being like, I want a guy who rides motorcycle real good. That's it. End of sentence. Don't got a leather jacket? Not on my radar. And it's not because you're not a T-bird. Because frankly, I'm seconds away from saying fuck that shit to that rule. Um... But you don't ride motorcycle, yeah. from what I can tell, because and, you're a uh, fucking dweeb. That's fucking important. <laughs> so fucking important that uh, I'm going to sing a whole song about it. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you go back to the rules of the drinking game, uh huh. drinking uh, whenever Cool Rider is mentioned, and then chugging your drink the entire time Michelle Pfeiffer dances. You're going to black out during this song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It Bad. Liver failure before you Bad. even get halfway through the movie. Yeah. So, um, he's like, ah, oh, all right, fuck. Okay, so I need to become this guy, right? In order for her to be like, yeah, maybe a chance. Demucci shows up and is like, hey, so, um, I hear you write good Shakespeare. <laughs> Why is he suddenly from the Bronx? Because that's the way that this specific guy <laughs> talks. I don't know if you clock that or not. Why are why, in and out? Why are these kids shit? from like suburban America with like they're like suddenly newsies? I have no fucking the absolute fuck all <laughs> I know. Um so he's like, Hey, so you're smart. I need better grades. I will pay you to write a paper. Which like is never explained as to why he needs better grades, because it's not just him. It's all the T-Birds. All of the T-Birds end up coming to Michael individually and being like, you can't fucking tell anybody this. Because I have, and the whole, every single person is like, I have a reputation to uphold. But I need better grades. Not a single, we're, we don't know why. Yeah. We don't know if like they need better grades to be able to audition. For the. For the talent show. Which is for some reason inherently important to them. 
Because at first they don't give two shits about getting records. They're like, that's kind of fucking dumb that somebody would join this. They're like, yeah, we could do it. And now they're like, we must win for reward. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand the rules. The rules aren't important, evidently. Cause I don't really understand right it either. So, so, yeah, the writing falters a bit here. I don't really know why we... What, like, why are the stakes so high for them? Right. Unclear. But Michael's writing papers for them. Right. Um, and he uh, has wonderful penmanship, says Johnny. <laughs> and at one point, um, Demucci meets meets Michael in this, like, the bomb shelter that his uncle, like, Michael's uncle had built, right? Yeah, it's where Michael, like, hangs out and, like, he does his studying there and it's, like, his quiet space for himself. His sanctum. Sanctuary! Um, Throwback. <laughs> How many episodes are we going to reference today, do you think? All of them. Um, <laughs> quick, pull up a list. We'll find, <laughs> we'll find references. Um, so he's like, okay, cool. People are going to pay me to do this shit. I'm going to go ahead and buy a motorcycle and then win the woman of my dreams. I love the way Johnny pays for his paper when he finally comes to Michael. It's so funny. Cause he like has his jacket over one shoulder. Yeah. Like covering half of his body in the front and half in the back. And then he like slips him the money and like grabs so the fast. paper. So fast. Grabs Lightning the paper, fast. And then he like. Kind of pulls the paper out to read it. He's like, oh, this is good. That's good. This is lovely penmanship. And like shoves it quickly back in his jacket. He's like, I have a reputation to uphold. Right. He, at one point he like whips his hand out to like like poke Michael in the chest and like has the paper in his hand. And, and like, like, oh, fuck. Has to stuff it back in. And then it's, I mean, it's very, it's almost like slapsticky. It's very slapsticky comedy in that it's, moment. It's really, again, it's heightened. It's like we're going past reality. And that's really funny to me. Yeah. That, that's, like, there are certain sections in here where I was like, that's fucking hilarious. Which, yeah, that yeah, yeah. was one of them. I really like this interaction. Team Johnny. Um. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, we get, we're in science class now with the Oh sub, my god. And we get the number reproduction. So, Miss Mason comes in during this number. I hate it here. She is such a honeypot. I just... She's so. She's just this. It's never explained as to why she's there either. She's she, just like. Shows well, I think up. it's because. Okay, so there's a sub. The class gets rowdy, and I think like the motivation is like she comes in to help keep them under control. The class doesn't really get rowdy until after she's there, though. They're well, that's like because kind she of brought her tits. Fun. Yeah, they're like poking <laughs> fun at the sub of being like, "Oh, ask this guy." OS this guy. OS yeah, this yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, they passed the answer around. You know that, you know, whatever. But clearly, Miss Mason has a thing for Mr. Stewart. Uh, yeah. And vice versa. So I think yeah. that that's more so um, the reason that she's there. She's so sexy all the time, and I just love that for her. Yeah. Um, this number is about, uh, you guessed fucking. it, reproduction. It's about fucking. And it starts... This is the only number that I ever remember from this movie. Ever. Reproduction. Reproduction. I think it's so incredibly funny. And I, I really, I have dreams of one day doing Grease as a show choir show because I think it fits really well into that format. And I think Grease too, because it is so incredibly group number heavy, would also make a really good show choir show. You can't do these songs with high school students. No. So if anybody uh, would like to commission me to go ahead and write a collegiate show choir medley for you, 
uh, or maybe perhaps for a community uh, ensemble, I would be happy to. I would love to write this <laughs> for a group of, of not necessarily adults that could get a little cringy, but like if there's a group of like younger twenty something, I don't know, they're full blown fucking adults doing this now, <laughs> and it's a little cringy. Yeah. If there are like a, if there's a group of alumni of some twenty somethings out there uh, from your show choir program who would love to do like a show choir show that's just a skosh too raunchy for high school students, I got your back. Fucking email me, bro. I got the show for you. Why did you? Why did you go, bro? This is show choir. I, anyway, what did you want me to call them a slur, bro? Um, because I'll do it. Call me. You could have just left it there. Call me, babes. Um, I love this number. It's ridiculous. I, Reproduction. I I do enjoy it. I really and of course, like the women get like a little back at the dudes for this but like the i just fucking hate the i which i've just exhausted with the world in regards to this of like oh well whenever i want to have sex she doesn't and that's fucking inconvenient and what if she just tracks her cycle instead of me having to wear a condom because that's exhausting and what if and and why can't i have sex whenever i want and it's all her fault and her problem that's what the lyrics are in this fucking... <laughs> I saw a video on Twitter the other day that was like this dude, two dudes hosting a podcast. They had like six girls in the room with them and they were interviewing them. And they asked the girls, uh, who do you think controls access to sex in a relationship? And all of them unanimously said, the girl, women do. And then they were like, so whose fault do you think it is? Like, who, like in regards to like hookup culture and why no one will date you. Isn't that your fault? If you control access to sex. And I was like, Oh boy, Oh boy. Have you guys missed the boat? You missed it hard. Um, women would absolutely be inclined to have casual sex more often. Fully. Women are just as horny as men. Women would absolutely... Um, I can attest to that. <laughs> women would absolutely be on board to have casual sex with you if uh, if you, like, respected them. Yeah. If you understood, like, boundaries and, like, weren't interested in, like, having sex with them by force. Or at them. Right. Like, if women were allowed to actively participate in sex and not just, like, let sex be something that happened to them... They would totally have casual sex with you. Yep. That is to say, if men were better at having good sex, they would have more sex. But they don't. Mm -hmm. Also, huge hole in that plot. I was like, hey guys, as someone who exclusively has sex with men, um, women do not control access to sex because that's just patently untrue. Oh, is that why I'm here? To control your and Ross's sex? Yes, thank you for allowing me access to sex. Yeah. <laughs> thank God I have you. Just that like, is why there's always, not the, to dissect. always the token gay <laughs> with the woman because he it's, needs it's her to be able to role. access sex. Yeah, otherwise who's supposed to open the door for two men, you know? We'd, I, uh, I, I mean, don't know. All don't gay know. men would be celibate. It's, it's I a mean, cycle. A good... Goodness. Yeah. 
And that's not in the Bible either, so. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Not to derail and, like, dissect, like, rape culture and hookup culture or anything right here in the middle. Real quick. In in the middle of Greece, too, but. (laughs) Okay, but a lot of of the things that they talk about casually or, like, just kind of, like, off the cuff or whatever is a part of that problem. Correct. And, like, again, like, if men were just better at having sex that was, like, inclusive of women and like particularly inclusive of like the female orgasm you guys would have sex more often every straight man in the room i think there's maybe one possibly two of you who listen to this podcast currently but like hey and listeners, you're, you're if good you know ones. a straight man if you know a straight man Impart for whatever this reason take his <laughs> No good reason. There's no good reason to know a straight man. (laughs) For whatever reason. I can't think of a good one, but you know, if you have one. You can't even even tell me we're a production because there are a plethora of queer men that have sex yeah god with with people with vaginas yeah uh, we've got we've got all that figured out we've got science for that now <laughs> listen you don't even need men yeah <laughs> hey anyway this um, song is really fun his, though <laughs> this, this song outside of like those bullshit issues is just fucking ridiculous i could not imagine being in charge of a class because the beginning of the song he's talking about how reproduction in always right the starting of it is talking about plants and flowers and how stamens and stigmas and pollen and and all and all of that kind of stuff and how that goes and then how does that evolve into how like the animal species of things Mm -hmm. have sex right right and then which like kind of leads into like humans right he's he's birds and the beesing them right which is what's happening right that's why that conversation is called that because that's where we start that's like how you sanitize that conversation right um so it's but i cannot imagine a room erupting with 30 year old people who are playing teenagers (laughs) (laughs) i mean um (laughs) i just can't explain to you the absurdity of this movie like it's so it's so dumb and, and, and bad. The, and the, thi- the thing is, is that one of the T-Birds the whole time just sings, where does the pollen go? Like, <laughs> just randomly will insert that line. And that's how this song fucking ends. And I'm just I'm like, I... It's a, what? It's a laugh riot. I love this number. I think it's, it's so, so funny. It's so ridiculous. And again, it's so campy and cheesy. Like, and we've established already, right? Like, by the time we get to this number, we are well established that, like, this is this so... This isn't real. Like, be fucking for real. Like, this is so unserious. If yeah. you And if you just, like... If you just stop being serious and have fun while you watch this, like, it's so fun. Right. So, um, that's fun and doesn't do anything for us plot-wise. Nope. Um, it's just a stupid song about teenagers yeah. being horny. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, at the, at the end of this number, um some a little bit of life happens in the school and this girl comes into the principal's office to talk to miss mcgee and she's like miss mcgee i need to talk to you i missed my last two periods and she's like (laughs) that's okay honey you can make them up later and then all of a sudden she stops and like looks the pollen go like that's what sings underneath her and Mm -hmm. i'm like that's okay fine 
she's pregnant. So funny. Um. All right. So Michael has the money for a bike and he is building a bike. Isn't that cool? I also fully think that the guy at this bike shop um, was like kind of taking him for a ride and like took his money and was like, yeah, sure. You can put together whatever kind of bike you want out of these scrap parts and whatnot. Yeah. He, 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 let me toggle off with my cash in hand. Um, and then we, as he's working on it, we get cool rider reprise, just like in I didn't, the, on the wind. I didn't need it more of it. On the wind. You could have just like done like the, like the melody in the underscoring. Right. We didn't need to sing it all over again. Over no. like a, like an action medley of driving in a, in the woods. Yeah. And him like putting things together in it. This is so cool. Um, bike rider, blah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes. That's how it goes. That's what happens. So the pink ladies, um, we're back at the auditions because the auditions are lasting for days and days and days on end for whatever reason. Yeah. And they, so they keep like, quote unquote, auditioning students and they'll like let them on stage and then let them sing for like two minutes. Like yeah. they're really short little snippets. And then they're like, that's enough. And then they bring on the next act. And it's like, this is not... But you just, like, keep doing that with the same people day Over day and out. over again. I don't understand it. Yeah, it was like, so, I don't understand what's happening. I mean, from someone who, like, auditions professionally for a living, like, I don't understand what's happening here. Neither, neither do I. So the Pink Ladies are in the talent show. How exciting. The T-Birds are auditioning uh, and sound like shit. And there's like a, is it right before them or right after them? There's a Sandman trio. Right before them. And they sing real good. Yeah. I like those And Miss Mason there. is like, oh, these are my boys. They're and so then good. when the T-Birds uh, show up. Miss McGee is like, like, these, these are, are my boys. boys. <laughs> <laughs> and they suck. So. Uh, yeah. Sorry, not sorry. And she like, <laughs> the face drop that happens as they're singing. She's like, oh, oh no. no. I shouldn't have claimed them for this. Um. But they're like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna make it. We're gonna get it. We're gonna work on that harmony. Thanks for your we're, time. We're gonna become the best of the best. Um, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna be in this. And then Eugene, they're like, yeah, we're in the in 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 the talent show. And Eugene's like, everyone's in the talent show because there weren't enough auditions. <laughs> That's my really awful, awful, awful portrayal of Eugene. I liked it. Thank you. Um. And then the only thing they're like, yeah, those records are going to be ours soon. And I'm like, is that really what this all is fucking about? Okay, fine. Yeah, it is. Boom, we're back at the bowling alley. Because this is where these kids spend their time. Where do they meet the, the Sandman trio in the locker room? That is way later. Oh. Okay. Where they Where they like, where they take them out of the game. Or is no, it no, when they just like, hear him? Yeah, when they overhear them, they're like in the locker room with them at the same time, and like it's it's right in there, somewhere in here. Yeah. Okay, wherever that happens, we see the Sandman Trio boys rehearsing, like in a sh- in like in the showers. They're dressed, but they're just like in the locker room, in the shower portion of the locker room, singing together, probably for acoustic reasons, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, boys who sing in the shower together are dating. Those are the rules. The Sandman trio is dating. Um, and the T-Birds are watching. 
I mean, some people are into that. Voyeurism. So, <laughs> is um, there a song in science class about that one? Uh, I just voyeurism, voyeurism. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so the <laughs> so that's all exciting. They're at the bowling alley, and Balmudo, aka Craterface, shows up. Craterface is the macavity of the Grease lore. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Do you think that we can apply cats to like a lot of this? Yeah. We should figure we should figure it out. And we I should mean, do a mashup. They are they do both have drinking games. We should do uh we should do a mashup of these okay. and create a whole new like cats but grease. Cats and grease. Crease. Crease. <laughs> gats. <laughs> Creasy gats. There's our title. There you go. Write that down. There you go. Creasy Gats. Creasy um, Gats it is. Anywho. So, Balmudo shows up, and he shows up alone. And Dolores runs inside. He's like, hey, Balmudo's here all by himself. Go kick his ass. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go kick his ass. And the T-Bird's like, walk outside. And then they're like, oh, fuck. Because turns out his friends were just running like 30 seconds late. Yeah, so now he's armed to the teeth. Um, And they're like, oh, just fucking kidding, and go back inside. But there was one T-Bird that didn't come out and right off the top. And Dolores goes back and is like, hey, there's action out front. Balmudo's going to get his teeth kicked in. And he's like, fuck yeah. And he like go- goes outside already talking shit before he looks and sees that it's all of them and the Yikes. T-Birds are nowhere in sight because they went back inside. He's like, I want to see that that Craver Freeze kid is T-B-B-B. And he's like, what the fuck you say about me? And <laughs> <laughs> I'm liking where this is like uh, divulging into, like rolling into. Correct. Right. And um, a random guy comes through and kicks Craterface in the chest. Flies in on a motorcycle. Phew, drama. And then we get the number. Who's that guy? It's Michael. But he's got goggles on, so no one he's can got tell. Goggles and a helmet on, and we don't know who that is, and he's sexy and he rides and uh. This scene is so sexy. Just sex. Michael comes in on the bike, I swooned. Then he kicks Craterface in the face. And then he like lights Michelle Pfeiffer's cigarette. Like, she pulls out a cigarette and asks for a she's light. Like, well, because she's like, oh, he's so hot. Oh, my God. This is the man of my dreams that I've been been wondering about. And because they have, like, an altercation between Steph and Johnny. And he's like, you need to not be swooning over that shit. You're someone's, you're, like, our chick. And is, like, pointing at the T-Birds. And she's like, maybe you should have a bigger dick like this guy over here. And she's like, I'm t- maybe I'm tired of being someone's chick. I'm fucking done with this shit. And he's like, this is ridiculous. And they go inside. And then um, Paulette is like, maybe you need a cigarette to calm down. And she asks for a light. And then a lighter pops up. And it's Michael in disguise. But like when he lights the cigarette, I was like, oh, God, I'm wet. <laughs> and she like stops she like is like oh thanks and not paying attention and then she stops and like looks she up she looks it's so dramatic oh and there he oh, is oh and, and it's cool rider oh and he's oh, so hot oh and he's like how about a ride but hot, then hot then the police show up the police show up and he's like maybe some other time and he takes off and he flies over one of the police cars yeah I'm pregnant yeah I mean <laughs> god 
Um, also, something to keep in mind in this moment, he dropped his accent. Yeah, yeah. So he, he couldn't. So he couldn't be told. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cool Rider has an American accent for whatever weird reason. Hot. It is very sexy. Next day at school, Michael and Frenchie are chit-chatting in the chem lab. She's like, hey, so I heard that there was this really hot guy on a motorcycle that Stephanie went woo-woo over. Mm -hmm. Do I know who that is? He's like, you do, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he's like, the next time I see Steph, I'm going to walk right up to her and be like, Steph, want to go out? It's me, cool rider guy. And then Steph immediately walks into the room and he becomes a fucking puddle. (laughs) Which I don't blame him. And instead of asking her out, he's like, Steph, have, have you read a Superman comic? Well, have you? Was like Superman really big at this time? Must have been. In the 60s, yeah. I think, um, when was the death of Superman? That wasn't until the 90s, I think. Yeah, it must have been in a heyday or something. You're 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 typically my Superman connoisseur, so that's Yeah, I mean, I don't know a lot about the comic lore, I'll be honest. Oh, that's valid. That's valid. I've been kind of um, saving the research cuz I if I ever go back to college, I was like I could write a dissertation on the history of Superman and how he reflects like the needs of the times that he's in. Mm-hmm. So I've been saving it. All right. If I'm going to do the research, I'm going to get credit for it. There you go. <laughs> so I'm just like, wow, all right. Smooth, Michael. <laughs> so smooth. Nailed um, it. Blanche and Miss McGee are fucking ridiculous. So they <laughs> are doing a nuclear missile drill, right? Mm-hmm. So they're doing they're doing the wind up. Yeah, siren they have like thing. a there's like a crank siren that they use. Um, and they're to like, this is the... this is not an emergency. This is a test. Blah 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 blah. And also, uh, Coach is like walking through the halls. And is like, you know, all we got to do is just like treat the missile like a football. We'll catch it and then throw it back. That's all we got to do. And I'm That's like, not how nuclear war works. It's, like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all it's all just like it's all just like football. No, life is not football. No, I'm so sorry. No. Now, life is musical theater. And if you disagree with that, you can shove it. Yeah. But, but it's nothing like football. So uh, and then Blanche is like, run! Girls on one side, boys on the other. And Miss McGee is like, calm down, Blanche. And she's like, ugh. I just, they're fucking ridiculous and I love them. They're such clowns. I love it. So, Lewis, which I believe is Goose. um, I think it's Goose, yeah. Brought Sharon to a fallout shelter because he was like, ah, when he like went to pick up his paper from Michael. It's it's Michael's fallout shelter. Yeah, he was like. Ah, this would be a good place for after-school activities this with a, uh, people. This is a great secluded place for boning. Yep. Um, and brings Sharon there, and then fakes that Russians are bombing them so that way he can have sex with her. Yeah. Because both of them He's got friends. are the virgins. He's got friends outside the door. Like it's they Johnny stole the, and another T-bird. And they stole the hand crank siren from the drill earlier. And she's, they're in the bomb shelter, and he's like, the nucleoid war. And yeah, he just starts making up words. And then they like start the siren, He and then we get the number, do it for our country. When you have no game, so you fake a nuclear apocalypse to get it in. And then still don't. And then still don't. Uh, because he's like, 
No, Sharon, we should do it for our country. I'm going to be off in war tomorrow. You should fuck me. And she's like, no, I'm not doing this. No. And she's like, we should, we should. And so like when he's like, we should do it for our country. He's talking about having sex. Yeah. And then she think, starts to think, oh, you mean like go out there and be a part of the fight and right. like, we she'll be a it. nurse and he'll be, be a soldier engaged. and they'll go do the thing yeah. because he thinks that he, they're about to do it. And then she's like, let's go. And like opens the door. Yeah. It is a funny double entendre again. It's the, funny. The, the writing of the songs is usually pretty good and funny. Yeah. The writing of the book is less structurally sound. <laughs> Yeah, which still makes sense funny it, though. Which makes sense when we find out that like the script wasn't finished when they yeah yeah when that. you said that I was like oh okay that makes total yeah. sense because like the jokes are there but the plot isn't so to know that the script wasn't finished when they started this project totally makes sense. Yeah, another like squeed thing for me though was he was like hey I'm going to fake all of this to try and get in your pants. Uh yeah, that's gross. That is super gross. Uh, it is super mm. shitty of you. And the he, entire first section of the song, Sharon is talking and she's like, no, I don't want to have sex with you. No, please yeah. stop. I want to go. No, let me out of here. I'm not that kind of girl. I don't want to do this. Um, I don't want to lose it this way. Right. And uh, fun fact, um, in the soundtrack, Sharon's part is taken out of it. Yikes. So yikes.com anyway he does sing real good though in this song he does he sings really well i think she sings really well i think it's a little it's a lot yeah um so she's like how could you and they're like you still couldn't get in fucking angus um Well, that's what happens when you're a fucking douche canoe. Yeah. Women don't want to have sex with you. Yeah, imagine that. Uh, go back to the earlier clip. <laughs> right, like, I don't yeah. know why that's confusing to men. Yeah. So Get it together. Steph is working at her dad's auto shop, and like she's being pulled in a million eight directions. One, one person needs to finish paying. One person needs his windshield cleaned. One person needs maps. One person needs this, that, blah, 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 blah. And they all need her attention. Like, right this second. And they can't wait, which is fucking obnoxious. But, of course, it's old white men that are bitching at her about all of these of things. Of course. So, then, we've got the cool rider shows up oh. in his bike with his... With his jacket all open. No shirt underneath. So sexy. I just think about, like... That, depending on the lining of that, could be really rough on your nipples. So rough on your nipples? I hope it's like... Not in a fun way. Like Like silk lined or satin lined or something. Or that like the leather is actually like really treated and is really soft. Yeah. I would hope. Nipples. Unless you're into that, then maybe I don't hope that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not here to kink shame you. No, but like I feel like it's not in a fun way. I feel like it's too, too much. I mean, like probably. when cheese grade your nipples off <laughs> kind of way. Some people don't want to have nipples at the end of their foreplay, you know? I mean, f- fine. I do. I, I do would too. I would want I, it to be but... silk lined, but maybe Cool Rider is into that, you know? I mean, maybe. maybe that's like his vibe. Maybe. So he's like, hey, how much do I owe you? And she turns, she's like, oh. You. Orgasm And I could spot. just feel her uterus <laughs> quiver like through the TV screen. Yeah. And he's like, hey, do you want to uh, get out of here? 
And she, and then it's all of these people shouting, I need this, I need it. And she's like, fuck it. <laughs> just hops on the back of the bike and they ride off. Audi.com. And she's just like coming on the back of this bike. Oh, absolutely. Just like, oh my God, I'm riding off to the sunset with this man that I don't know. And she swings around to the front of him. Uh, yeah, while they're in motion. And I was like, ma'am. Right. So here's my thing. Is that like, for a movie, fine, whatever. I genuinely wonder... This was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. How many people attempted that after watching this? Too many. I just, it's a thing. It's just Too a many. thing that I wonder. It's just Too a, many. You, know, da, da, da. you know how like generations above us like to make fun of young folks because everything has a stupid warning label on it now? Um, yeah. Warning labels only exist because somebody before us made the stupid mistake. Like the reason that there are warnings on hair dryers not to use them in the shower is because someone electrocuted themselves in a shower. With and a hair dryer. Got sued. Right. Like, the stupid warnings are on there because somebody older than us did something stupid. This is one of those situations. Yes. <laughs> this so, is one of those scenarios where, like, there should be a warning sign on this now because somebody absolutely did this in real life and, like, fucking wrecked themselves. Right. Um, and at one point, they, like, stop and they're making out. Keep in mind, she hasn't seen him without the goggles and the helmet on. Right. Doesn't He's know still, his name. Doesn't know anything about him. Still a mysterious figure. Not saying that I haven't made out with a stranger before, but uh, I didn't get on the back hasn't. of someone's bike that I didn't know, rode off into the sunset, and then made out with him. I would make out with him first. Yeah. <laughs> come on. I mean, come on, rules. There's an order of operations here, guys. <laughs> Hello. So, um... And we really hear now in this moment because there's a lot more dialogue back and forth between the two of them that he for sure isn't using the accent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they, at one point she's like, oh, I'm shivering. And he's like, it's cold. Hold me tighter. And she's like, that's what makes, makes me, me shiver. shiver. Uh. And... <laughs> And then uh, it's like somewhere between Anna Ferris and and Jennifer Coolidge. I don't know where you've landed accent wise, but no one in this movie <laughs> speaks with that accent. They do. Um, it's Paulette. <laughs> no, uh, it's literally not. Yeah, it's it's a younger version, a different version of Paulette, Jennifer Coolidge. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! What if that's canon? This Paulette grows up to be that Paulette. They're the same Paulette. This Paulette is that Paulette's mom. What? Moving along. The Grease 2 Paulette is future, like, legally blonde Paulette's I mean, if she's a senior, she's 18 here, and legally blonde is set in the 90s. So, yeah. And Paulette is, like, at least 30. I think she's in her 40s. Canon. It's canon. Canon. Canon! This Paulette is that Paulette. They're the same. They're the same actress. They're mother-daughter. I don't think so. I think they're the same person. Nah, they're mother-daughter. I've decided. Tweet us whose theory you think is correct. <laughs> um, no one's going to tweet us. No one ever tweets us anything. But uh, No, because we stopped uh, putting out our Twitter because... Well, if Twitter weren't uh, a disgusting cesspool of Nazis, we wouldn't have that problem. But it is. So we. So that's... I, I mean, comment on so Instagram. So buttons on your underwear. <laughs> anyway. Comment on Instagram whose Which you also you need to be careful correct. with Instagram. Um, Why? What's wrong with Instagram now? Well, Instagram is owned by Meta. Well, yeah, which is buying and selling everyone's data, but at least there aren't... Is there a Nazi presence on Instagram? I mean, probably. There is on Facebook, and they're well, owned Lord by the knows same there company. there is on Facebook. It's a delicate balance out here in the world. What if we started communicating with all of you via pigeon? 
exclusively pigeons. Listen, we did domesticate pigeons and then just left, left them, them for there? the streets. I think we should Let's repurpose reclaim, them. <laughs> reclaim pigeons. <laughs> Reclaiming pigeons. Uh, that's our platform for 2023. I'm into it. I'm into it. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. This episode's going to be three hours long. For no reason. <laughs> for no reason other than it's tech week. And we can't hold a thought uh, yeah. thread in our mind. Anyway, so they're back at the shop and the quiver thing that happened earlier happens again, except it is um, Cool Rider being like, oh, I'm shivering. And she's like, but why? And he's like, because you make me jizz in my pants. Remember that song? <laughs> jizz, jizz in, in my, my pants. pants. Anyway, so um, he's like, I, I have to tell you something. And he starts to tell you. Friends, there we go. There's another reference. He starts to take off his his riding goggles, and then the T birds roll up. The T bones show up, and they're like, "There he is. We're gonna beat him up, but not really. We're gonna stay right here." So he puts his goggles back on and takes off. Yeah, and he's like, "Steph, I'm gonna meet you out front before the talent show." And she's like, "Okay." And then he leaves, and she's like, "Talent the show? Talent How the show. fuck does he know about the talent show?" So they, Johnny is like, "The fuck is your deal? You either need to like stop being a pink lady so you can date whoever the fuck you want, or you need to get back in with us." Yeah, figure it out. Pick yeah. a side. Um. And she's like, this is fucking obnoxious and I hate this. All the girls go into the shop and they're like, fuck you, T-Birds. A little bit, you know, because they're like, you're wrong. Um, and then they're like, yeah, well, I'm upset. And the one guy's like, yeah, and I can't even get past second base with Sharon. And I, even though I tried to trick her into having sex with me. And <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So then they sing the song Prowlin'. Hate it. Which shifts from them singing it outside of the... Um, the shop into them singing it in the talent show. Oh, okay. I have a note here about Johnny's arms and how good they look at this rehearsal, but I didn't know what number it was in. Yeah, it, it's there. It's like shifting to the to to the that. Team Johnny. Um, <laughs> team never Johnny. So <laughs> can I? Perhaps I'm only Team Johnny's arms. Arms and chest. Yeah, there is. He's got those titties. I think it's. I think it's just, just team abdomen. (laughs) From like the bottom of his rib cage to his clavicle. I'm. That's it. I'm team that part of Johnny. That's it. Yeah. You're usually that team (laughs) part of anybody that has any sort of stronger upper body. (sighs) I'm a chest man. Although I do appreciate a good booty. Well, who amongst us doesn't? Who amongst us? I know what I know. <laughs> um, anyway, so it. I hate the number prowling. I literally didn't write anything down about it. Like I couldn't even tell you. I can't. I can't hum the melody. I don't know anything about it. It's, I just know that Johnny's arms looked good in that moment. It's literally about the fact that they're like, yeah, we're gonna go out looking prowling for women. Yikes! In the sixties. And then we see them chasing after uh, women grossly. Carlo, tell us your feelings on uh, male predators. Exactly. You heard it straight from the cat's mouth. Trash. Trash. (laughs) Anyway, so we're back in the classroom and Steph finds out that she needs to rewrite her paper because it sucks. And then Michael is like, hey. I can do that. 
do you want help rewriting your paper? And he like gets this, he takes the cool guy air that he has as the cool writer and applies it to himself Mm -hmm. for the first time. Yeah. It's hot. Confidence (laughs) is hot. And that's, uh, that's what a lot of this is, right? I don't disagree. So she's like, oh. "Oh." Carlo agrees really loudly. Confidence is hot. You're right, Carlo. Exactly. Precisely. So, um, they decide (laughs) that they are going to meet up at a diner. He's going to help her rewrite the paper. And they get flirty over Burgers and Hamlet. Oh, man. And they, it kind of gets to be this moment of she, she's complimenting him. And is like, hey, no, I think you're really smart. I think that, you know, da, 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 whatever. And he's like. He looks so extra dreamy here too. Like his hair is like perfectly flipped and quaffed. And Mm -hmm. like they light his eyes up and they're all like sparkly and Mm -hmm. multicolored. And like, Mm -hmm. ugh. Mm -hmm. Team Johnny though. Um, In this moment, (laughs) I'm like, ooh, Michael. So I'm like, do I like men? Just like decent men, which is the way that they need to be anyway. Let me ask you this. Mm. If you saw a really pretty lady with hair that was that good and eyes that were that sparkly. I'd want to fuck the woman. <laughs> okay, well then no, that that's the answer yeah, for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh anyway. So, um they are getting all flirty and cute and he's like, "I can't take a compliment." And she's like, "You should take a compliment cuz you're kind of nice." And he's like, "You're kind of nice and I like you." And she's like, "Ugh." Um and then they eat burgers about it. And he she orders him a burger with double ketchup. And it's because it's a joke because she's like, you order a hamburger with ketchup and they never bring you ketchup. And then so he's like, he orders, she's like, get me a hamburger for my friend. He's like, with ketchup. She's like, double ketchup. As like a cute little <laughs> between the two of them. Um, a burger with double ketchup is my Culver's order. A burger. Not a cheeseburger, folks. Not a cheeseburger. So if you're buying Drake a burger. It's because now I you know. I don't like American cheese. Yeah. Especially on a burger. I just think it's gross. That's valid. Um, if you have other cheese options, like if there's like a slice of cheddar, like especially I love a, a, a slice of melted Swiss on a burger, fuck it up. Uh, but that is indeed my Culver's order, and I always order it with double ketchup for that exact reason. Because when you ask for a burger with ketchup on it, they give you one tiny little poot of ketchup. <laughs> just- <laughs> Anywho, what happens 
advanced quickly. Okay, so Johnny shows up, and don't you dare say to you, Johnny, because he's a shitbag in this moment. So he shows up, and is like, Steph, what the fuck? And she's like, he was literally helping me with the paper, and also it's none of your fucking business. And Johnny's like, well, I'm declaring that we're done right here and now. And she's like, She's like, oh, we've really? been done, you big bag and of dicks. Like, quit declaring shit that ain't shit, Johnny. <laughs> Jesus. And he gets all fucking hurt about all this shit and like punches something and then his friend punches something because they're bros. Hey, if you're ever with a man who punches something when he's angry, run. Literally, any, anybody. Anybody. Anybody, anybody who it, like physically expresses their feelings by via violence, run. Mm-hmm. Huge red flag. Like one of those like Les Mis sized red flags. Yeah. Girl, run. Just go and get um, so he's like, I'm sad. Let's go eat together. Eat each other. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so back at school, um, Michael and Steph bump into each other in lunchroom. We get the number charades, which I hate. I hate it because I don't know who's singing it until like the very end. See, and I clocked that it was Michael singing it. But the problem is, is that for the first half almost of mm-hmm. this number, you can't really hear anybody singing or the words to the song because it's in the cafeteria and they don't do that thing where like the cafeteria is really loud and then once the music starts, they like shift, shift the balance. The, the audio balance, yeah. They don't really do that until much later. It's the slowest shift I've ever fucking heard and then you don't hear a lot of the song. Yeah, it's just not a good song. And like, it's our 11th hour number, right? Like this is our right. torch song. We should know who's singing it. We should understand like why it's in the sh- in the show and the place that it's in, and it's just like I don't know. It's just really poorly handled, and that I think is like a direction flaw. It's it's got to be. I it just doesn't add anything. If anything, or, it becomes like a yeah yeah. Like, it it becomes just... sort of an obstacle mm-hmm. to understanding what's happening, which is like not the purpose of a song in a musical. So right. So. Now, so that's done and over with. Essentially, it's just him being like, I wish we could just be out. I could be out loud and living with you. Right. Um, Loving you the way that I want to and this, that, the other thing. Very gay of him. So gay. Anyway, so it's the night of the talent show and he shows up as the cool writer. The T-Birds see him and start to chase him down. And Steph was there and is like, oh no, because they're like, we're going to kill you. Yikes. Yeah. The pink ladies show up and she's gets like jumps in the car and is like, drive, drive, drive. And they're like, what the fuck's going on? Again, the stakes are like so high for no reason. Yeah. I'm just like. It's just bad writing. I just, yeah. I don't, I don't know like why you want him dead over what? Because like, he took your lady on a ride? Calm down, you psychopath. Your lady that wasn't your lady. Like, and your weird ownership bullshit again. The stakes aren't even this high in the original movie. No. What are you talking? You're going to kill him? What are you talking about? Right. Calm down. Right. In the, like in Greece, it's about like pride. Like they're like racing each other for like bragging rights. And for papers to a car that they worked really hard on. Right. And in this one, they're like, it's like, for, I don't know, for like, ownership of women? I'm going to beat the shit out of you because she's my lady, even though she says she's not my lady because I own her. That's psychotic. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. 
Who wrote It's this? abusive too, by the yeah, way. For those of you, if you're if you are hearing or seeing any of those things, that individual is an huge, abuser. Huge so, flashing red lights for like assault, abuse. I mean, <laughs> what is happening? Right. So they they're all chasing after them. The girls are in the car and they're like trying to keep up with two like with a bunch of motorcycles, which mm-hmm. these guys aren't worried about road safety so they're like weaving in and out of vehicles yeah and they're in a fucking car also shout out to that car because it's a really pretty pink cadillac oh yes i'm a huge fan of that car i love it so one of the girls is like oh my god i'm gonna die a virgin and sh- and then another one was like i'm gonna die wearing my mother's underwear why the fuck are you wearing your mother's underwear i don't know and in my head i'm like is it is it meaning my mother's underwear, meaning like I'm wearing granny panties and not something cute. Or do you mean your literal mother's underwear? Yeah. Like, did you borrow underwear from your mom? Why weren't yours clean? What are I'd you rather talking go commando. about? Yeah. What the fuck? And I get like, maybe not at this time. What Is it like a good luck know. thing? Because it's the night of the show. Do you think wearing your mother's underwear would give you luck? I don't have answers. There is no there is no costume history answer to this. I don't know. I, I don't know either. <laughs> um, so they're chasing him down. Oh my God, it's a dead end. Oh my God, he's going to have to jump this giant thing. We don't see any of that. Yeah. No, we, no car violence, which I do appreciate. Right. We just like, we pull up and we're like, oh my God, where did he go? And the T-Birds are like, he had to have stopped. We ran he, him off this, this dead end. But they were, but they were like, no, he had to have, he had to have made the jump. He had to have, he should have stopped. He should have slowed down. Why didn't he stop or slow down? Like he should, cause they're having this moment of, oh fuck. We just killed a guy. Actually happened. And then they're looking down at this drop. In a gorge. In a gorge. And they're like, oh, but we don't see anything. Yeah. There's no flames. There's no smoke. There's no body. And there's the number no one, the number no one rule, no body, no death. Exactly. Nobody, no crime. Yep. So they're Said like Miss Taylor Swift. <laughs> they're like, um, okay, I don't know what happened, but we should get back. Yeah. So they leave, and the girls are talking to Steph, and because she's like, he's dead, and they're like, no, he's a great rider. You literally saw him jump a cop car with almost no le- like no lift, no no yeah. ramp, no nothing. He right. just like bounced his bike over a cop car. Right, and they're like, he is such a great rider. He had to have made that jump. Don't no, worry dead. about he's it. He's dead. He died. He's it's going to be great. Steph is convinced. <clears throat> right. So we're back at the talent show. This fucking guy in a green suit is just like, sounds terrible. It is flopping around like a fish on the stage. I believe in 61, we called that slaying. I <laughs> hated it. Uh, yeah. I don't really know what his talent is. It's a mystery. He, <laughs> I, I think he thinks it's singing. <laughs> it's not well so, we know it doesn't have to be good everyone made the talent show right so um then we like are popping in and out of like out in the audience backstage behind the curtain. right so we're behind the curtain and paulette is in what would you call that i would call it like a follies-esque beaded leotard yeah. It's got like some beaded fringe, it's got some sequins, but it is like a like a one-piece leotard. Right, because I'm like, it's not technically like a bustier in panties because no, it's, it's like, like one, one thing. piece. Yeah. And then she's got like a garter on her thigh and mm-hmm. whatever. And in the girls of all seasons, she's a part of summer. Mm-hmm. So she's like, 
Johnny is like, Jesus, Paulette. And like, you need to cover up. You need to do this. You need to da da da. And she, he, she's like, well, I'm not finished. I still got to get a couple things up on my face. Don't worry. Yeah. Essentially. She's like, uh, eat shit. Johnny. And he's like, no, <laughs> like you need to wear galoshes and a raincoat and a this. And, and he that. starts physically like he pulls a cape off and a feather boa and like physically covers her up. And she's like, listen here, Johnny, you piece of shit. Yeah. I'm going to do this my way. I am sick and tired of getting pushed around by you because you're acting like a piece of shit. Yeah, she goes in, and I was like, ooh, girl, She's like, get I'm him. tired of, of get him. being used, and this, that, the other thing. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, and you're not going to have a fucking say about shit. So there. Go, Paulette. Love her. The T-Birds end up, like, so we're in the locker room. The T-Birds tie up the preppy kids in the showers, turn on the showers. It's all very uh, homoerotic. homoerotic. Yep. <laughs> and then we, like... Flash back to the auditorium. It's a lot of back and forth shit. Yeah, well, it's, with, it's very fast paced, like right. quick cuts. Yeah. Um. So the guys are finishing up their prowling number. The T birds in the back are wearing the outfits of the preppy kids that were going to sing. And they're introduced as uh, as the T bones. The T bones. Birds. Birds. T birds. More like the T boners. <laughs> Hi, Johnny. Not. Nah. For me. Um, so he's here sleeveless again. You know, that's, that's, that's just, it just does something for me. Team Johnny's abdomen. Um, <laughs> that's realistically what you are. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. I just bitch slapped the mic on accident. I'm sorry, Gertie. Anyway. Gertie now is the name the... of my mic. I feel like I need to say that without just... three hours, three hours. It's fine. We're at two Oh five. Um, <laughs> So we get the number girl for all seasons. This is where we see the budget. (laughs) It's giving um, the funny girl bridal number. Oh, fully. Yeah, but in like a high school talent show way. Yeah, but also money, but camp. So it doesn't look like money, but it's very money. Yeah, like the costumes are all very like cheesy and funny and goofy. And like there's three girls for every season. So there's like the one for every month. And if there's a holiday in that month, then the one of the girls is dressed essentially in like holiday garb, like Halloween garb or like e- Easter ears or like whatever it is. And, uh, and so they're really like cheesy and stupid and costumey and like they look cheap, but intentional. Right. Like it's very purposefully corny. Yes. And it, it does create this, again, this sense of like elevated camp. Like we're in on the joke. The joke is like present and elevated. Which the spring girls come out first and they are on fucking point. Yeah, they dance on point. Which Ooh. I am specifically concerned for the gal playing Sharon because her knees are like bent, bent the whole time. It's uh, Point is really dangerous. It is. And I'm like, the other two, I'm like, okay. They probably have some point experience. I feel like Sharon doesn't. Yeah. And I don't know if that's like, if like (laughs) Sharon, Sharon, the actor does have point experience so much so that she can do right. That she can do point badly safely. Right. Or does she have no experience? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm very afraid for her ankles. I, I hope that there were no injuries involved in that, but point can be really scary and really dangerous. Right. Um, and just like the, the fall costumes look fucking fantastic. The summer costumes are great. The winter dress on Michelle Pfeiffer though. The like Christmas tree dress. 
Yes. That one's the best. Yes. It's so good. It's so campy and funny and dumb. Right. But still but still pretty. Like, it's glamorous, but stupid. They're iconic. I know. So, in the middle of all of this, uh, Steph just stops singing and goes catatonic. She, like, crumples to the ground. And she's just, like, wide-eyed, gazing into space, like, fully disassociating. Um, and starts singing in her head the song Love Will. Shout out to the spot up who saw a chance and took it. Because the minute she hits the ground, they like swivel a spotlight on her and like just tight, tight spot. Tight spot her. <laughs> Somebody up in the up in the wings, up in the rafters, saw this happen and was like, oh, a moment? Okay. <laughs> I'm lighting it. <laughs> and the thing is, is that in right now, right? Because typically when these things happen in musical theater, we're like, oh, the world around them doesn't realize what's going on. Mm-hmm. But we get a bunch of dialogue, like, in the background of people being like, oh my god, Stephanie, are you okay? She and, like, stopped singing. Oh my teachers god. Teachers get up out of the audience and they're like, they're someone like, check on her. Stop the show. Like, what's happening? Close the curtain. Um, is she okay? Uh, and we're like, oh, fuck. Okay. So, like, we something's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Then we get a dream sequence. Which is just weird. And it's... Um, it's very weird. I it's don't, all silvery I don't like it. And, and weird 80s campy... <laughs> Movie Very clearly, video, we are trying to recreate... Music video, not movie video. Yeah, that yeah. was fucking weird. We're trying to recreate the kind of ethereal moment that we had with Beauty School Dropout in the original one, like, very clearly. Um, it doesn't work, though. We just kind of miss the mark, and it's not... I don't know. It's not, it's not elevated in the right direction, and it falls in a weird place, and are other people aware of it? Is it happening in her head? Like... I don't know. It's just, I don't, I don't like the dream sequence. It doesn't land anywhere correctly to me. Cause she's like holding the star that was on her head. Cause she was a Christmas tree and it like floats out into the audience in a way. And then she's like in this dream world yeah. with, um, the cool rider, not knowing who he is. Yeah. And everything is silver and white. And they're like, like we're it. in love. I don't like it. And cause she's convinced that he's dead. Right. The problems for me comes when we come back into reality Mm -hmm. and she's standing there and she's singing and like reaching out and like the audience seems very moved and no one's worried about her anymore which tells me that she began singing this song that's not a part of the song that they were singing Mm -hmm. and they were in on that moment without the visual happening and not fully knowing what was going on there's probably like no one playing piano or anything underneath her because She's just singing it was an this impromptu, random Yeah, song. it was like an unprompted fantasy sequence. And then like, then she comes back in, she finishes the song. Everybody's like, wow, that was so good. And then she slumps back down on the ground and goes catatonic again. And then they announce the winners and it's Johnny and her. And, and they her. literally pull her up off the ground. to like They're like, you won the whole thing. Because they fucking announced it as she's still sitting on the ground. Right. They haven't even pulled her off stage yet. So like clearly they like saw it, understood it. Or maybe they just thought that her... Her acting ability was just so great. And the song she... divulged into something that they didn't realize. In Girl For All Seasons, she doesn't even sing. She gets down the staircase thing that they have on stage and then stops singing. Mm-hmm. So, like, she didn't win because of her performance in that number. No, I don't know. So she it's had very, to have won for the it's weird... It's confusing. It's confusing and I don't like it. Weird whatever number that she sang in and out of a catatonic state. Anyway. Zero out of ten. So... But she wins. Right. 
And um, so her and Johnny are going to be the king and the queen of the luau. Mm-hmm. Flash forward to the luau. So let's start here. Hula is sacred. Yes. A lot of the things that we, uh, that Americans do uh, culturally around like luau's and like Hawaiian themed celebrations is like really disrespectfully appropriative of right. Hawaiian culture. That is appropriation, not appreciation. Right. Because you're taking things that are meant to symbolize like important moments or ceremonies or positions in their hierarchy and culture and using them for like entertainment or like a laugh. Yeah. Which is shitty to do. Yeah, bad. So let's start there. Um, we shouldn't do that. With that being said, this scene is very colorful and fun. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's fun choreo, it's fun this, that, the other thing. Um, it's just shit. Yeah, again, we're, we're grabbing anyway. at inspiration from the original movie in that, like, we're very clearly trying to recreate, like... The carnival sh- scene at right, the end like, of we're, that. We're trying to create, like, another fun nonsense number with, like, shoebop shawadawada kind of moment. And using, like, another culture's language to simulate nonsense words. And then putting it on like a like a luau hula backdrop, yeah, which is so deeply American. And like the garb that they have, like Stephanie and Johnny wear, I don't know fully what the references are. I bet it's not good. But I I bet if we do the research, it'll be really disrespectful. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably like some photo images of like regalia garb that's important to the culture that they then. bastardized yeah 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 that's the word for it zero out of ten um so they're sitting they have to get into the pool of serenity (laughs) on this big floaty raft thing yeah and it's genuinely just in a pool and they're sitting there and they're like this is fucking terrible i don't want to be here i don't want to be here especially with you and johnny's like god fucking get over it it's fine it's whatever let's just have fun i will Um, not get over it you shitty sack of garbage. Because at this point, she still thinks that he, like... L- Killed Cool Rider. Like the, right. The cause of Cool Rider's death is because of him. Yeah. Right. So, um, Craterface shows up and, and his gang and just, like, rides over fucking everything and wrecks all of the booths and all of the everything. You're ruining our party. Um, and Steph and Johnny are like, we need to get the fuck out of this pool. Right now. Because danger, right? Right. And it's, this is one of those other comical moments because she's, <laughs> she's like, I just, I'm fucking done with this. And Johnny's like, help me paddle, Stephanie. Like his voice is like cracking. He's like freaking the fuck out. Um, anyway, all of a sudden, Cool Rider leaps from the top of one of these booths for whatever fucking reason he's there. Um, and it, like is on a bike and then they're like chasing each other around on bikes and people like jump over the pool. And then I don't know why this happens, but eventually the rival gang just goes away. Cause Cool Rider intimidated them and chased them away. Ugh. Oogly boogly. I, I don't fucking get it. <laughs> Whatever. Um, or maybe because they thought Ghost Rider, uh, he was a Ghost Rider now. 
Maybe he wasn't just Cool Rider. Maybe they were like, didn't you die? A ghost. But I don't think the other crew knew about that, though. And then they made a Scooby-Doo noise and scrambled out. Right. I don't fucking know. Off they went. Um... And then he takes off his goggles and helmet. And he's like, and everyone's like, oh my God, it's Michael. It's been me all along. And then uh, Stephanie's like, holy shit, it's you. And he's like, yeah, it's been me this whole time. I'm Is that hot, hot, aren't I? Is that hot? And Johnny's you like, tell I'm going to fucking wallop you. And then everyone is very confused. Like the T-Birds are like, wait a minute. You? You're the one that rides that way and is wanting to get with Stephanie and wanting to this, that, the other thing. And also you just saved us. And you have done so like two or three times now. And they're like, hmm. <laughs> and like the T-Bird, because Johnny's like, I'm going to fucking pummel you. And the T-Birds are like, Johnny, but what if What if didn't? we just gave him a jacket and then instead? It, and then Johnny like stops and is like, jacket. And then he gets a jacket and gives it to him. And he's like, let's try this on for size for a minute. And he's like, oh my God. And now it's cool that Steph and Michael are wanting to be in love because they are um, a pink lady and a T-bird. Michael looks really hot in the jacket. Very hot. His hair is quaffed. It's it's a good time. So sexy. Um, they start making out. And then in the and the cute thing is that Michael's like, are you upset? with me for not telling you the truth. And she's like, are you kidding? I got two for the price of one, which means that she was into Michael as a person. Yeah. Yeah. He just wasn't a writer. So that was like, right. And then she was into cool writer. And then she was like, Oh my God. (laughs) Shablam. Bam. All the same homie. Here's the sequence of events. Yeah. Johnny hands Michael the jacket. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, you're both so hot. You should kiss. And then Michael and Stephanie start kissing, and I was like, oh, you should not kiss. (laughs) And not just because it's straight and that's gross, but also because they kiss so graphically. They do. I mean, well, Johnny and Paulette kissed that graphically earlier in the film. It's gross there, too. Right. I just, it's It's, one of those things. It's just like a lot of tongues for teenagers. And you can, like, see, you can see the tongues, like, poking in each other's cheeks. And they're like... like, I don't know, munching on each other's lips and um, stuff. Num, and num, I'm num, like, num, guys, num. don't be gross. And so like they go back in for another kiss. And then like Stephanie like does like a head swerve thing. And then she starts singing. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh, like stops because he's like, oh, fuck, <laughs> did I do something wrong? And she's like, starts singing the song. We'll be together. Yeah. Which I again is, I think, a throwback to lyrically Greece. We'll always be together. Yeah. Right. It's really slow, though. It's very slow, and and it I was like, "Oh, slow. this will be like a nice, sweet, sentimental reprise of something from the movie that they're sequeling, which is like cool." And I was like, "And then, of course, it'll shift tempo, and we'll like rev up and finish the movie." And we stay slow, and it's like really slow, and then it stays slow, and then the credits roll. Yeah. And that's not enough for me. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's, it, it, it is not. And uh, funny enough, um, when Alexis and I were watching this, I don't remember the melody for this right now, but I started singing, Rama, Lama, Lama, ding a ding da like to the melody of this, because so that's what this is. It's so slow. 
stupid, stupid time. I just... My last note that I have written down is that's the most fun I've had hating something in a long time. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. It's terrible. Yeah. But if you know that about it... And again, like, I just... I went in this time with such a low bar being like, oh, we're going to do this because we're doing sequels this month and I'm going to hate it. We're going to have, like, a real stinker on our hands. But then I was like, oh, like, if you're not... it was a fun, shitty thing. Right. If you're not expecting it to be good, then it's just, like, really campy and stupid and fun. Right, except for, like, the weird um, ownership of women and the inappropriateness yeah, of that but venture. But when you look at the dynamic of the of the T-Birds in this, that they, again, like, right off the bat, the power dynamic is different, and, like, you can tell that they're, like, clowns. Yeah. Like, if you, if you put it through that lens, like, obviously we can because we understand things about, I don't know, basic human consent and, like, the struggles that women face on a daily basis and, like the power structure between men and women in society. When you look at it through that lens and you can see like how stupid and dumb all the boys are when they say stupid shit like that. And the fact that the girls kind of win all those arguments in the end, especially that like really awesome monologue from Paulette where she was like, Hey Johnny get fucked. Right. Like they have these victories. So when you look at it that way, like the thing about shitty actions from your characters or your protagonist is that like they have to be flawed and they have to be bad in order for you to be able to talk about it and address it. Right. So like you have to, I mean, you don't, you don't have to, there are ways around it, but like the easy way from A to B is like, look at this shitty behavior. We think that sucks. Like that's the easy Making way. Making sure to call it out. Right. That's end, like the easiest do. way to do that. And, yeah. they, and they do that pretty successfully here. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think that we need to do it nearly as often as we do. No. Uh, And I don't know that it's necessarily like the point of the musical either. Right. But I do think that the women win at the end of this movie. Um, So I don't know. Give give and take. Uh, What do you think? Let's rate it. Two. Uh, How do you feel about a two and a half? I I can do a two and a half. Just because the comedy writing is really good and the songs are fairly well written. Yeah. And, I don't know, through the lens of knowing that it's kind of just like a ha-ha cash grab on a, on a property. Well, and because it wasn't, well, and here's the thing. So, like, the original Grease 2 yeah. wasn't supposed to be this plot at all. It was actually supposed to be um, Rizzo and Kanicki going to summer school. Oh, really? I would have watched that. Be, but the problem is, is that Channing, who played Rizzo... Yeah. Was like 37 or 38 by the time this movie was going to be happening. (laughs) Yeah. And she had already left Hollywood. Yeah. And was focusing on a stage career. Mm -hmm. Was like, I don't fucking want to do that. So they had to like. that's fair. Right. And if you're, I mean, especially because these were close together. If you were going to do a sequel with, with the same characters, then you would have had to have the same actors. Right. Maybe there's something to revisit now, especially like, I guess let's see where the popularity of Rise of the Pink Ladies goes. Right. Um, and, and, and where they fall in the timeline of like the pink ladies from the first film, the pink ladies to the second, are right. they like I don't know the anything very about original? the series. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Because it might be like how pink ladies even first be, started to become a group. Right. Like we could be in the 40s for all we know. I don't know. I haven't watched the series yet. So right. um, I, yeah, I, I guess let's see where it goes. I would be excited to have more. I would watch a Grease 3 or a Grease 4. I'd be into that. The more... Especially like to 
to more of like today's standards and sure. calling out things. I'm very interested in Set the fact one in the that 90s, to, you know, people are really into the 90s right now. You're right. Um, especially with the fact that they were thinking that the third and fourth movie were going to be in the 60s based off of the counterculture of the 60s. Yeah. Because I saw some video about like the original writer for the movie Grease. It wasn't supposed to be like an homage to the 50s. It was supposed to be a, a parody. parody of the 50s of yeah. like, isn't this obnoxious and ridiculous? And then people were like, oh, the 50s, nostalgia. Yeah. Oh, this is the way it was and how beautiful and wonderful wasn't it? Can I tell you how, a weird thing about that? Yeah. So when the AIDS crisis happened in the 80s and 90s, um, the queer community was the most dramatically impacted. Right. Which meant that the artistic community was the most dramatically impacted, which meant that storytellers, history keepers, um, people who interpreted our past and made it understandable and palatable to a public, mostly through art, disappeared. Mm -hmm. And so there's this weird revisionist history of like particularly the 50s through the 70s, because the people who are meant to be the keepers of that knowledge and those stories and hand them down to of future that generations portion of the history of queer history. And so the people who were left, are, who were left to tell that story were like white cis straight people. And so history doesn't often commercially or artistically doesn't look or sound the way that it actually was in those decades mm-hmm. because the people who were involved in the counterculture or, you know, things that weren't, sanitized or particularly Christianized aren't around to tell those stories. So yeah, the reason the fifties get boiled down to this, like leave it to beavery type vibe is because all of the people who experienced everything other than that are dead. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. Oh, the AIDS epidemic had so many ripples. Yeah. Because the next group of people outside of just the queer community was people of color was like right. the next group of people that were heavily affected. Correct. Of course, people weren't going to do shit about it mm-hmm. because of that specific group of people. It's why when you look at back at like decade aesthetics, when you get to the eighties and nineties, things get like weirdly grungy and gritty all of a sudden. It's because people who had hardships in those times are allowed are, are alive to tell you about it. Mm-hmm. Like the people who were growing up their teen years were like in the eighties and nineties. Like those people have like gritty, dirty, unsanitary stories to tell you because they're alive to tell you <laughs> just a weird ripple. Yeah. Yeah. A, a weird thing about like, that's why that whole nostalgia pod happens around those decades. Uh, okay. So two and a half, I think we, that feels fair to me. Yeah. Two and a half. It's like a low two and a half, like a two and a half minus. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, shall we give it the bitty test? The BD, the bitty Drake. Pass fail. I would pass it. Probably. And the one voice that really bothers me is the substitute teacher at the top of reproduction. Like he is super flat, like noticeably and it's cringy. Yeah. But it's also like campy and funny and stupid. Right. I I think that with what this sound was supposed to be, I don't know that this was supposed to sound necessarily good. No, I think it was meant to sound palatable to an audience in the 80s. So there's a lot of like 80s influence. Mm -hmm. And I think it was meant to harken back to the first movie, which I think it does musically. Yeah. So that's a pass for me. Yeah. Um, How have we been doing it? Do we want, are we doing socials and then a fortune cookie? 
What do you want first? I don't care. Okay, so the fortune cookie today is uh, from the original Greece, and it is the Pink Lady's Pledge. <sighs> Give it to me. The Pink Lady's Pledge is to act cool, to look cool, and to be cool. Till death do us part. Think pink. Yeah. Yeah. I love you. I love that. All right, bitches. Um, you guys can find us essentially anywhere at Backstage Biddies. Isn't that fun? Where can they find you? Binny Biddy. Isn't that fun? Make sure you go and join um, Podvine and follow us. And you can comment. Do you know how many like how many followers we have on Podvine right I now? I haven't. I haven't checked. We should update them I next should, episode. I should. I know for a fact that our friend Taylor. Hi, Taylor. Yeah. Thank you, Tay. Me. She um, snapped me too. Thank you so much for following us for, on Podvine, babe. We I know for a you. fact that Taylor and Kelsey do. Yay! So that's two. That's two for sure, and Guys, that's only because I haven't looked, and because those people specifically messaged me. We're twenty percent there. Right. And can I just say real quick, I appreciate so much the folks that know us personally that will then snap us or message us and be like, hey, I'm watching this movie because you talked about it on the pod. I love this that. is because of you. And it's just it's one of those things if I'm like, oh, and in like a weird way, it's like us still being able to connect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that way. So I don't know. I just appreciate all of you out there, um, like including that folks that don't know us personally. We appreciate you the most. Yeah. You weird folks in Iceland and, and Spain and Do wherever else. you know else. that we just had a listener from El Salvador? El Salvador? I literally, I just, I just looked the other day at stuff and I was like, that's a new one. That's so cool. I don't know if they're like, ah, we listened to part of one episode and these um, white queer Americans are too much, which I understand. <laughs> I fully, I fully understand that. Um, I don't think we've ever been too much. Really? Do you want to listen back to this episode <laughs> specifically? <laughs> Uh, but anyway, no, I before this thing is three hours long, we should probably get going because uh, we got a show to do. Yeah, we do. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So the girls are like walking through. I'm dying over here. <laughs> you gonna make it uh probably not but we're gonna keep going so the jokes are there but like (coughs) oh my god death i'm choking on an everything bagel seed (coughs) i lived